Dan, I'm, I'm glad you could be here. I'm glad you could join us. Um, my pleasure. Yeah. I, I first want to say to everyone listening, like, you are my doctor. <laughs> it's really cool. The, the first time that I went to see you, I heard about d- direct primary care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, all right, let's check it out. Let's, let's see what it's all about. And uh, I was blown away by just how simple, easy it was, how laid back you were about the whole process, about doing the patient visit, about talking to me. And you weren't in a hurry to get out of the room. Yeah. And I, I, it blew me away. I, I felt so calm and relaxed. Oh, good. And that was, that was the first impression I had with that. Awesome. Um, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the goal. So it's it, very different from the whole insurance world where it's kind of a cattle call and just try to run people through. So Yeah. Well, uh, so for those that don't know, uh, I don't want to butcher it, but like what yeah. is direct primary care? And uh, let's, let's talk about that. Well, direct primary care essentially is a model where the physician does not accept insurance and deals directly with the patient. So there's no middleman, and that's the direct part. Um, in addition to not having a person in between the two of us, I also have direct relationships with suppliers. So lab tests that we do, um, you pay what I pay. So nobody's in the middle, you know, eating your piece of the pie, as it were. Yeah. And so um, when I contract directly with labs, then the price is probably 90 to 95% less than you're used to paying in the insurance world. Um, so instead of 450 bucks for a panel for a physical exam, it's 15 yeah. or something like that. So, um, if I give you a shot of Rocephin, it's a dollar 79 or a strep test is a dollar 25 kind of just silly prices. And it just kind of, um, demonstrates or illustrates how, you know, jacked up prices are in the insurance world. So I first, uh, learned about it about, uh, 2014 or so. But prior to that, I had attended a, um, a dinner by, that was, I guess, a presentation dinner that was um, put on by MDVIP, which they bill themselves as the affordable concierge um, company. Okay. And prior to that, I, you know, I heard the word concierge and it sounds a little uppity and I'm like, you know, um, not for me. Uh, I don't mind taking care of people that are wealthy, but that's not why I went into, into medicine. Right. Um, I wanted to take care of the people who perhaps needed me the most. So I um, was surprised when I received this uh, really cool invitation in the mail um, in 2011. And um, it said, hey, you know, come down to this five-star restaurant in downtown Dallas and bring a guest and in the medical world, you're not really allowed to do that in most settings, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, something that's sponsored by a drug rep or something, and we'll pay you 300 bucks. And I'm like, sweet, free date, nice dinner, there 300 bucks in the pocket. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of went, and, and I was curious because, you know, the, the insurance world um, had been practicing for 10 years at that time and um, became very apparent very early that insurance got in the way of me being able to take care of my patients who I wanted to. And uh, it just got worse year after year. And uh, so I go to this presentation and the, uh, the doctor who is there, you know, the person who they, I guess, had there to, to do their advertising for him, talked about an exorbitant amount of money that he was making and only seeing seven or eight patients a day. 
Hmm. And my thought was, I, I could live off of that, <laughs> but I that just, again, wasn't for me. So I was just enjoying my salmon and just kind of waiting for the time to expire. And then all of a sudden he said, and we're seeing better outcomes. And I'm like, squirrel, wait, what? Okay. Hmm. Now I'm intrigued. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Because you're taking more time with the patient and more personalized care. So um, at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to try to figure this out. The reason they make so much money is because they also bill insurance. So Hmm. they were charging $180 to $200 a month. And I thought that's just too much for the average Joe. But on top of that, they were billing insurance. And so right then I set out to to, uh, try to develop a model And the goal was to try to reduce the amount of time that each patient required of me, kind of get rid of the fluff, the spa treatments, the house, you know, in-home visits and things like that, and um, try to therefore allow for larger patient panel and therefore bring the per patient cost or per month uh, cost down. And my goal was 50 bucks. I thought, who can't afford 50 bucks a month? Mm Mm-hmm. And so I figured I'd have to probably have a panel of 750, 800 to, to do that. And, um, and for three years, I designed and tweaked and had ideas come and go. And, um, and then in 2014, I learned that I was not a pioneer. I was, there was a, a movement called Direct Primary Care. And I jumped into that world, went to conferences and saw what was working, what wasn't, again, continued to tweak my model and then finally jumped ship. And I'm the sole provider of a family with six kids. And so it was quite a leap of faith. Um, but I had enough faith in the model and what I was doing that and my wife, she was a hard sell, um, an accountant, very uh, frugal and careful. And um, a funny story is uh, after we got out of that meeting in 2011, uh, we got into the car and she said, so what did you think? And I said, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, but really not for me. Mm-hmm. And she paused and she said, could you maybe just do it for a couple of years? <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, from her perspective and, you know, struggling through residency and trying to, you know, get the practice going, I could understand why was, she was kind of thinking hey, it'd be nice to get a little nest egg built up yeah. and I'm, you know, just wanted to kiss her on the forehead didn't cause I was driving, but, uh, it was just kind of funny, but, uh, so yeah, so we jumped ship and, you know, I didn't have a lot of money and took loans out and did whatever it took, borrowed some from her dad. Um, my dad pitched in a little bit, but, uh, finally after about three and a half, four years, I was able to get to the point where I was actually, or actually two years into it um, before I actually pulled out of going into debt further and further every month um, and then finally hit that 750 mark about year four. So um, usually it totally depends. I mean, other direct primary doctors, sometimes they get into a, an environment or a city where the, the, the employers are um, amenable to this for their employees, and so they'll get you know, 30, an account of 30 employees at once. And uh, Flower Mound is very, I don't know, for some reason different. And they have about 10% uh, self-employed, but they're all scraping the bottom. And so they don't really have a lot of money to to put towards these kind of benefits. So I've only got a few accounts and they're very small. Mm -hmm. But um, 
you know, it's a hard sell. People are stuck in this, you know, insurance world and it's really hard to, I've kind of figured out it takes about 20 to 25 minutes to help somebody kind of start to see the potential value. Yeah. And it's an obvious choice for people with no insurance. I thought it was an obvious choice for self-employed people that want to provide a, a good benefit for their employees. But, um, you know, the people that are really a hard seller, are those with insurance, but most people's deductibles are multiples of our yearly membership fees. And so, um, probably 50 to 55% of my patients do have insurance. And plus, uh, they like the model because again, you, easily accessible. Um, you can do telephone, video, patient portal visits in addition to the inpatient or in-person visits. And uh, usually just can get e- get in either the same day or the next. And um, so it's, uh, it's working. I'm grateful. feel very blessed to have, uh, you know, kind of live in my dream. I, I was 52 when I started the thing. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so... 58 now and um i plan on sticking around for another 12 15 years because i love it i love going to going to work every day it became less and less exciting and more and more drudgery um in my old practice Mm -hmm. and um and now i practice in flower mound live in flower mound so it's a five or six minute commute um better than 20 to 25 yeah even though a lot of people i know who live in Flower Mound commute to downtown Dallas. And so I felt, you know, pretty bad when I was complaining about 20, but I love it. It's, uh, I love going to work and um, taking care of patients. I don't mind staying late, finishing up charts and, you know, just not getting, I'm not very good at communicating with my wife about what time I'll be home, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff. That's, I, I love it. Uh, I'm, as a patient, I'm sold um, for sure um, because it's, um, I'm self-employed. Mm-hmm. And, um, similar to the story of how you talked about your, you had to kind of sell your wife on it. Um, mm-hmm. I had to sell my ex-wife on it because I've got child support and mm-hmm. I have to provide health care. Um, just like any divorced, yeah. uh, parent that's non-custodial. Um, and my, uh, I'm, before I had, when I was working for a corporation, it's real easy. Mon- child support comes out of the paycheck and the health care comes out of the paycheck and it's all automatic, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're self-employed, you have to manually set up a lot of this stuff. And so I started my business and I'm looking, I'm researching, I'm like to get the same health care that I had when I was at that, at the company, mm-hmm. it was 900, a thousand a month. Yeah. I'm like, dude, yeah. <laughs> that's not a Very real, that's not a real number yeah. for someone self-employed to pay for. I mean, I'd have to have like a wildly outlandishly successful company. And in the first year, that's not typically the case. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of money to ask a, a you know, fledgling company, one, one one employee company with like a couple contractors that's not a realistic number in my mind um so i started doing research and i'm like what can i actually afford and so we'll fast forward what i'm doing now is um you're my primary care physician my daughter's primary care physician and but we have a major medical plan Mm -hmm. that we bought from uh, like an insurance broker i didn't even know these guys existed i didn't know that was a thing there's an insurance broker I bought a plan from him that's like a good plan mm-hmm. for major medical stuff. It doesn't cover anything preventative, yeah. but that's where you come in. So I've kind of basically customized my my healthcare, mm-hmm. and I had to learn like, oh, this is even an option that I didn't know existed before. And I just accidentally stumbled on direct primary care, 
and found, hey, this is great for self-employed people. Um, but I, like you were saying a minute ago, I absolutely advocate for anyone to do it that's anybody mm-hmm. because the level of care that I've received, I'll give an example. Um, it's my medical information, so I'll share it. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I will not. Yeah. I'll have to deny yeah. knowing anything. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's nothing crazy. It's just <laughs> I came to you. I wanted, um, I wanted the full panel, the physical, the blood test. We went over a bunch of stuff. But you spent like a good amount of time with me. I don't remember how much it was, but we like had a lengthy discussion about the numbers, about the stuff that I was feeling in my body. And we discussed a bunch of things and, and I came out of there just feeling so relaxed, so confident and happy about where my health was because you gave me that time. And I've been through the major medical, uh, uh, physicals and the, the consultations and stuff. And it's, it's fast food nation, you know, it's just blasting right through the thing. And I get out and I'm like, I didn't get to ask even half the things that I thought I was going to ask. And even though I even wrote a list down ahead of time, the guy was just in and out and it just felt like rushed. And and I, and now I still don't feel confident that it's my health where it should be. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then we, and then we did the, the labs and then that came back and it was like a full battery of everything that I could have ever wanted under the sun mm-hmm. for like less than 30 bucks. Cause I asked for several labs yeah. and, and so it was like less than 30 bucks for that. And I'm like, man, my copay less than 30 bucks for the labs. And I'm like, and now I feel very good about awesome. where my, where my health is at. And so yeah, yeah. I mean, but you coming on as a guest, that was, um, out of our discussion mm-hmm. because you had, you took the time to get to know your patient you took the time to like understand what am I up to in my life, and yeah. um, and I talked about your practice, and I was interested in it, and and what you do, and then here we are talking today. If you had given me that seven or fifteen minute session, we never would have been sitting here. Yeah. Um, and so, um, it's a more human experience, I think. Yeah. Well, and then, you know the the model just totally saves money because had I done what others had done then you would have scheduled another visit or another visit and, yeah. and or not scheduled a visit and then your health may have deteriorated mm-hmm. and so overall it actually saves money if you can just take the time that is needed to take care of the person and then the more that I can make it so that you don't need me the more healthy you are the more money we save, et cetera. Mm. So we really do feel that, um, you know, this is the solution to primary care is we've got to kick insurance out. In fact, that's an important point to make. You know, we kind of analogize, if that's a word, um, this to um, auto insurance. If you have a minor accident or, you know, you don't expect to go to your insurance and say, hey, um, or not, maybe that's a bad example. Say like a tune-up or an oil change or um, something goes wrong, you know, your battery goes dead, they laugh at you if you try to go use your insurance for that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's there for major accidents. And so, like you said, major medical. And so that's one important point to make is, and I do have patients who are, you know, strapped for cash that only have me as their health care. And we never advocate for that. Um, We try to do our best, but we really want you to have something there in case something bad happens. Um, and most of us will recommend, and w- the route that you took is totally fine, um, most of the time we'll recommend one of the health-sharing ministries. Hmm. And those have been around since the 80s. Um, you know, I, I prefer 
the one that I to which I belong is Christian Healthcare Ministries. You'll hear a lot of commercials for MediShare. Um, MediShare is a little bit more like an insurance plan, um, and I don't, I probably don't need to talk about that in detail. But most of them are, are Christian based. But there's one called Sidera, which is not. And the Christian ones they require some kind of a statement of faith. Um, but uh, you know, we have a lot of Muslim patients and. And they're like, well, what about me? And so when Sidera came along, it was nice to just open up the, the sure. doors to anybody. Now, what is different about these uh, ministry-based healthcare versus, a, like, I, I'm going through a typical insurance company mm-hmm. for my major medical. Like, what's the situation there? Well, you know, there's a there's a link somewhere on my front page that has um, a link to, there's another physician, and it's called Oxna, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, O-C-H-S-N-A-A, S-N-A or something, mm-hmm. uh, healthcare, that's another DPC practice who, and he has gone through and kind of compared all the health sharing ministries, um, but uh, I don't think he compares it to the, you know, the insurance broker type stuff, but mm. there are a lot of similarities because, you know, they have all kinds of criteria that you have to meet and wade through. And, and the reason I like Christian healthcare ministries is that it, it's very, it's a lot simpler and the way they have it set up and they do have a gold and silver and bronze and you have to kind of say, okay, which one do I want? And each one has, you know, different uh, offerings, but the gold, which is the one I recommend, then they have gone up on their prices just like insurance has, but um, our family currently pays about 750 a month for the entire family. And the way that it's set up is that if I incur any kind of a health care expense, um, a new illness or an injury or something like that, if it's under 500 I pay for it. Okay. If it's over 500 they pay the entire bill. Hmm. You don't pay the first 500 they just pay for it. And so, for instance, my wife was diagnosed with, and, you know, they have certain pre-existing condition conditions and stuff, but if you have joined before something happens, then, I mean, it's sweet sailing. And my wife mm. got diagnosed, I think she's okay with me sharing this, with um, pernicious anemia, which is where she can't absorb B12, and had to go get an endoscopy, an EGD, and um, and we just submitted the bills, and they wrote us a check for every dime that we spent on that, um, over three, three grand or so total. You so, know, it's interesting, I... Because I've heard reports that some of these Christian ministry healthcare companies they mm-hmm. they'll deny coverage, so you'll have families that have these kind of bad experiences. And I don't know if they're just picking on the bad examples versus all the all the good that like you just described. But yeah. I hear stories about like Christian ministry healthcare denying coverage. The little kid got sick, and they didn't they denied that. As, yeah. um I know you're not in that world, but is there any anything you're you're hearing? Uh, related to that thing? Yeah, so the downsides, the, the pre-existing part is a downside. Okay. And they have like a, a waiting list of three years if you, you know, it has to be declared cured or in remission or something, and then they'll start paying for it. And there's a lot of small print that you have to read. Yeah. But it is not a, a secured thing. Like in insurance, they have to guarantee a certain thing, and they're part of a larger group where they can absorb the different uh, risks and stuff. Um, so they don't. They always say that there's not a guarantee that they'll pay, um, but they have paid everything we've been through so far. And um, 
they, um, and I have not heard of anybody that they've not, for whom they've not, uh, you know, covered the bill. But the other thing about it um, is that uh, if you incur a bill that is um, a pre-existing condition, they've determined that it doesn't meet their criteria for coverage, then they'll send it out on this prayer page, and then other people are invited to donate to kind of cover their bills too. So I'd be interested in each like individual case to know where it might not have been covered. Yeah. Um, but uh, I assume that they're, you know, the reason our, our price has gone up every couple of years or so is that they're getting more people with these larger medical expenses and trying to cover those fully. So, yeah, we hope that we hope that's the case. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I'm, I would be surprised if they covered everything all the time, you know, if they had some crazy cancer or something that required a drug and it was, you know, $2.3 million a year, then, you know, you can imagine that uh, at some point they have to draw the line. But yeah. so far we've been very pleased. What did, uh, John, I saw you had something up there. Uh, it was Trust God or something. What is this? So it looks like uh, you got that up. Uh, it looks like health insurance, but it's not just trust God. Buyers are told. Um, so see, uh, we'll keep talking. See if you can find the part where why they were denied. Because um, I, I think people listening would probably be interested in understanding, like, why did they get denied? Yeah. Um, yeah, and that looks like it's written by somebody that has a little bit of a you know, interest or something in the insurance world. So, Oh, did it just the way that it was see. written and you okay. know, trust God? Like anyway, so like yeah. I said, there's, they're most, most, almost all of them are Christian based, but Sidera is not. So yeah, leave it off the share of anyway. uh, the picture in picture until we, until you have, let me know when you have something. But, um, yeah, for me, I feel, I, I don't know anything about them really, mm-hmm. but I, I just, I'd feel a lot more comfortable knowing I had an insurance company that when I submit the claim, like I know mm-hmm. it'll be, yeah, I know it'll be honored and granted because it's a covered yeah. thing. Um, but I get it because it's probably cheaper to go through one of those um, overall in cost, I guess. Yeah. Because um, you're saying anything over 500 is 100% covered. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, my mom had um, breast cancer in the mid 90s, mm-hmm. and she worked for Cirque du Soleil at the time. Oh. She worked for production. Love that company. Yeah, great. <laughs> I mean, they've amazing performances, right? Yeah. Um, you see that, and you're like, "Oh my god, I've never seen anything this cool." But because they have acrobats, like mm-hmm. professional athletes, acrobats on their staff, the healthcare for that company is ridiculous. I mean, Imagine. every everything's 100% covered, 100%. So all of everything, 100% amazing. of everything for all of her breast cancer stuff, and and then you know she went into full um, remission or healing yeah. or whatever the the term is. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it? I remission. Remission. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So full remission and hundred um, percent, you know, cured and hundred uh, percent covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. And that's rare, you know, these days that you have a company, Microsoft, for quite a while. Um, it was always one hundred percent, and people who mm-hmm. worked for Microsoft is kind of like you can order anything you want at any time, and they would cover it. Yeah. And I think that's even changed now, but uh, most of them require some kind of a deductible and. Um, you know, they still, the, those larger companies usually have the smaller deductibles, mm-hmm. but, uh, most people that, I don't know what the average is, but it's probably averaging at least three to $5,000 a year deductible now. 
Yeah. So. What do you think the quality of life difference is? Because you, you, I know what it is for me as the patient going in direct primary care, and you described a little bit about it, but what is that quality of life change for you shifting from like the conventional experience of being a doctor to uh, what you're doing now? Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the, the uh, difficult things is in the direct primary care, the usual direct primary care world, and this is where I'm going to distinguish a little bit between what I've developed and what everybody else has developed. And, you know, it's said that if you've seen one direct primary care practice, you've seen one direct primary care practice because we all design it any way oh, we really? want. Oh, really? Okay. And, uh, and so the, the carrot that they hold out, um, and th- I, th- I think it's okay that I talk about this. I don't think we have to cut it later, um, but I'll use some discretion. The, um, the carrot is, that they hold out is call me, text me, email me 24-7. And um, it's, you know, it's kind of a concierge-like feel. Sure. Some of them describe themselves as concierge medicine for the blue-collar worker or, or um, a concierge medicine for, you know, an affordable price or something. Most of us kind of cringe when people compare us to concierge because we're like, okay, we're very different. We're a lot cheaper. We're, we're, um, we don't bill insurance, um, and we, you know, are, are there for the, the regular guy, but, um, the, uh, the carrot, and I, I'm confident that I grew more slowly because I didn't offer this. And I did a little mini, you know, study with family and friends and stuff. Hey, would you pay 30 bucks more a month? And I'm one of the cheapest if you were to go out and look around 30 bucks more a month to be able to contact me and have no copay when you go in or pay a $10 copay and have it cost this much hmm. and w- almost without fail, even though it would cost them more, just not having to worry about a copay. They wanted to do that. And I'm like, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> um, you know, patients don't yeah. need and and to have you, you know, dock in the pocket or something like that, as some people refer mm. to it as, um, they really need to just be able to, you know, find you in an emergency. Right. So what my carrot is, um, is 24-7 emergency cell phone access. Okay. So I give all my patients my cell number uh, to text me, you know, hey, it's an emergency, can you call or something, you know, a little brief something. Yeah. Rather than call me, text me, email me 24-7 about anything. And then I'm on the Direct Primary Care Facebook page, and it's a phenomenal community. Of, you know, people put um, case studies on there, you know, get the permission of the patient. They don't mention names and, hey, picture of this, what would you do? And, and it's a great community. And not just primary care doctors, you have multiple mostly non-surgical specialties that have been, you know, starting to develop a direct surgical, or sorry, a direct uh, specialty care practice, you know, endocrinologists or hematologists, things like that. And so they'll pitch in, you get kind of free consultations. It's really, really nice. Um, But once in a while, I'd see something on there, somebody complaining and saying, yeah, I was in the middle of a, of a dinner out with my wife, and, and I got a call from a patient, and they wanted a refill on their Lipitor. Oh, my gosh, can they not, you know, use some discretion? And I'm like, um, did you not promise? <laughs> they, call me, yeah. text me, email me 24-7, and I'll pick up. This is what you asked for, buddy. You're paying for that. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so we're supposed to be under-promising and over-delivering. You're now 
over promising and under delivering. And so yeah. I'm like, that's not right. That's, that's wrong. Um, and so that's why I kind of tweaked my model and, um, you know, they, they talk about, uh, and again, this is where I'm hoping I don't, I don't get too many people upset at me, but they say, oh no, you know, most people are very respectful and understand that. And you just have to train your patients. And I'm like, whoa, what? Train, yeah. you know? That sounds weird. And yeah. so to me, that was like not appropriate. Yeah. Um, and again, I'll probably get my house, um, you know, it's a, it's a respectful group for the most part. But uh, anyway, so I just felt that, that I needed to do things differently. Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, I think I've drifted off on the answer to your question. Okay, so here, here's, um, and then the other thing that, that uh, was intriguing is that there weren't too many people that were making more than they were making out, you know, when they're working for the man or the big box places. Yeah. And so, um, t- you know, I thought to myself, okay, cause I, I had my model that I've developed, I would love to expand, but I still haven't figured out the marketing part. How do I grow fast? I can't go yeah. and help somebody convert their practice into my model and tell them it'll take them four years before they make as much as they were making. You just can't do that. Yeah. Um, in the the regular world, you get guarantees, you know, so you come on board and immediately you begin making X amount of money. And in the direct premier world, premier care world, some people have been able to do that by having a large group or developing a wait list. And then the person walks in and they've immediately got a source of income. Mm. Haven't done that yet. Haven't gotten there, but that's the, the original goal was to do that and then develop kind of a network and then, you know, you're in California and you need to see somebody and you look up somebody in the network and you get the exact same care and uh, pricing and stuff. But um, what I thought was interesting is that, that that's not a very good sales pitch for me to go to a doctor and say, hey, you know, you need to leave the insurance world and, and you're going to be jumping out of the frying pan into the fire because you're going to be on call 24-7 with anybody, all your patients with your cell number, calling you, texting you, emailing you 24-7, and you're going to make less money. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I got I to fix that, you know? So I fixed one part, just haven't fixed the other part, or at least not in a quick way, you know? And so I've got these little ancillary things that I'm doing, and I have a, you know, a lifestyle and weight management program that... You talk about a competitive world, so that really hasn't done anything. Um, so just kind of working on things. But for right now, I've been able to match um, the average, not like in the early 2000s. They were kind of the good old days. I'd love to get to that point. But I'm comfortable. And so um, just I'd, I'd love to be able to give them a little bit more hope that they can do better than they mm-hmm. were currently doing. But lifestyle is great. I still, I still you know, check my messages I get an email every time I get a message. And so after a few emails, I'll get on and, and at least one time in the evening before I go to bed, after, you know, get, go home and enjoy my evening. I rarely get calls, rarely get texts, I, sh- I should say. Um, then, um, so it, it's really, I love the lifestyle. And then the other thing that I've got a kind of a unique scheduling system, you self-schedule uh, so you don't have to call and go, hey, this is Paul, I just need a an appointment or what time you event, you know, yeah. back and forth, back and forth. You go on to the website and, Hey, this is available. Click and you schedule. And then I've got a buffer between each appointment. 
and then I've got a little block out of each half day so that I can address portal consultations. And so you have a little bit of time to look at the patient beforehand and you have a little time to finish the, the chart afterwards. And so the flow of the day is so much more peaceful. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's more enjoyable. And I, in the old world, I mean, I was, you have one patient that arrives late and that's another thing that the buffer allows. If a patient runs a little behind, you have that buffer. Yeah. And so, but in the old world, I call it <laughs> in my previous practice, somebody arrives 10 minutes late and then it's a domino effect and it gets further and further behind. And in the patient's perspective, they're like, well, every time I go, I'm waiting 20 minutes. So why should I show up 10 minutes early? Well, in this practice, I beg people to show up 10 to 15 minutes early so that when the time of the appointment starts, I can walk through the door and we get started. Yeah. And it's rare that patients wait more than five or seven minutes. Yeah. And so it's, it's nice for both parties. Yeah. Uh, luckily, I'll, I'll call it luckily cause I don't need the doctor very often, <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, when I have shown up, I brought my daughter a few times, brought myself a few times, um, for, you know, checkups and things, but yeah, the wait time is pretty short. Um, there's not a lot going on there. Um, you mentioned the, um, the nutrition stuff. Cause I, I looked at your, uh, you've got this nutrition star Mm -hmm. and, um, I thought that was really interesting. I want to, uh, we're going to, we got this up here. I'd love to hear you talk about it because if we go to the top, um, so what is this? It's nutritionstar.org. Right. And I guess it redirects it to part of your TLC family health.com. Yeah. Go to the the plate there, uh, John. So this is typically what the government is telling us how the in a typical meal, this is what your portions should look like. Right. Um, so what is different about what you're kind of suggesting? Yeah, so it's a good question. And, you know, the star, of course, has five points. And you can see there are five um, sections there that are semi-equal, some a little bit larger than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main difference is, that, and I have a fruits and a vegetables and a grains and a you know, something that I call high quality protein and good fat section. Um, And then the difference between those four things mainly is that they have to be prepared in a healthy fashion. Yeah. So, you know, in the the, uh, choose my plate thing, it says make half your grains whole. And I say, well, why not make them all whole? Um, And they allow a serving of juice to qualify for a serving of the fruit. And I'm like, no, oh, no juice way. Is not, Seriously? Yeah, yeah. They allow, that's the, the plate? That's the gov part plate? of it, yeah. And there are so many little oh, no way. You know, um, references and notes and stuff. And it's just this big complicated mess. Um, and then I have this um, fifth section that I call the whatever. I love that section. And yeah, and I call <laughs> it the livability and flexibility section. And so, yeah. you know, if you're paleo and um, you want to eat a lot of meat, you can eat 40% of your diet is meat. And 20, I mean, half of that, you'd want to be fatty seafood. And then whatever of the other stuff, you pick the things that you allow on your diet, you know, certain types of fruits and vegetables and things like that. Um, you know, I have some patients who are like 100% whole plant-based and they say, no, no, you shouldn't have 20% whatever. And I'm like, um, how about you fill that with whole plants, you know? And they're like, oh, okay, that, that, that makes sense. But yeah, so I, I think it's a, you know, a, just I believe, and I, it even says right there, I've evaluated many recommendations. 
Um, Where is this? Just right there. First, first, Dr. Clough has evaluated many dietary recommendations and determined that what kind of plant you eat within each of the plant categories is fat. Less far. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's the end of the day. It's, ah. it's, it's far less important than preparing it whole in a healthy manner. In other words, potatoes are healthy as long as they are not deep fried, which is how uh, around 50% of all potatoes are consumed in America or smothered with butter, cheese, sour cream, and bacon bits. And he says, why not make all your grains whole? What is, uh, help me out here with the whole grains thing, because I, I see on a box, it's 100% whole grains. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I'm what I'm looking for when I just know, Hey, I eat grains, but what's the, the whole versus half? How does that work? Yeah. So whole grains, you, you want to, and, and companies have gotten around it where they process it, they have it white and then they color it and then they add, you know, grains from the outside or not grains, fiber mm. that, uh, you know, they kind of tamper you know, with it. Yeah. You, you know, they, they play with the system a little bit, but, you know, we don't have um, a real easy way. I've got another plan for that, but that's a whole other podcast perhaps. Okay. But, um, you know, you're really looking for fiber. Um, you want to yeah. have fiber and then you want to try to reduce the number of, of uh, simple sugars that are added. And so, you know, probably the healthiest um, bread is probably like Dave's um, brand. Okay. Um, you know, they have Ezekiel bread and those are too intense for some people. Um, hmm. and so, you know, again, if you're following that, it's kind of a four to one rule is how you, you know, I don't think you need to stress about 20% this, 20% that, 20% that. Right. It's really just 80% generally healthy or, or as healthy as can be. And then you have a little bit of give to play with. And so, you know, our family enjoys, and I'm, I'm hesitant to say this because if they fly off the shelf, then I won't be able to find it. But, um, you know, we like uh, honey, whole wheat, um, Pepperidge Farm bread. Okay. And, uh, and all my kids are all converted to it. And so, you know, we'll still buy the white whole wheat and, and that doesn't, you know, fly off our shelf as much. Honey, whole wheat, Pepperidge Farm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just edit that out. Edit yeah. that part out. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm, I want John to write that down. <laughs> but, and I can't remember if it's two or three gra- uh, grams of fiber per, per serving. Um, but, uh, you know, at least two and preferably three or even four. And that's where, you know, you're getting more and more health with it. Can we pull, so, let's pull up this star again one more time. Cause also I know there's listeners. Uh, so what we're looking at is your, your TLC family health. If you go to nutritionstar.org and then it forwards you to, uh, his website, but it's a star, typical five point star in, e- in each section of the point, there's a different category. So you get your vegetables, fruit, whole grains, high quality protein, and good fats and whatever. Um, so what you're, you're suggesting here is an equal distribution of all of these. Or again, and I don't really want you to stress too much. It'd be nice to have a bit of that on each full meal, you know, but you can do that like in a day or in a a week or something like that. And that's where you just kind of want to get most of the nutrition, have a balanced diet, but I'm less worried about that than just kind of whenever you snack, just make sure that one of your you know, in a kind of a four to one ratio, your snacks involve a whole plant or a I see. fatty seafood or something like that. Yeah. What's an example but, um, of a whatever that I'm not going to feel totally well, terrible about? Well, so um, depends on what kind of diet you want to follow. Yeah. So if you're a paleo, then you'd probably put some kind of a high, you know, 
animal protein, high fat thing, bacon or something like that. Yeah. Whereas if you're a vegetarian, you might put ice cream in there. Or hmm. if you're vegan, then you'd probably put some potato chips or something like that. Or, you know, if you're the SAD, which is most people's standard American diet, um, average American consumes about 6% of his or her diet as whole plants. So we've got a long way to go. Um, then you'd put pizza in there or a burger or something like that. Okay. You know, for me, I, um, you know, you can have a really pretty healthy burger if it's got mostly plants and whole grains and the, um, you know, not a ton of cheese or, or fried pickles or, you know, bacon and stuff on there. But you do have to give up some of the really high, highly intense, um, flavorful foods in order to become healthy or at least shrink the volume down. Sure. And uh, the good news is that the more you follow this, the less you have to worry about how much you eat. You know, it's estimated that 15 to 20% of the calories of a plant that you eat is actually burned as the body converts it into fat. Mm. So you actually get to eat that much more volume, more calories, um, the more you can follow a healthily prepared mostly whole plant and fatty seafood-based diet, which is a mouthful. But yeah. That's kind Say of that a summary. <laughs> Say that one more time. Yeah, a mostly whole, and again, the cur- the word mostly is critical. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I have to probably find this for you, but um, I'm a big fan of, of whole plants. Okay? okay. Now, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean you have to have, like, the whole apple, but as long as you're not taking this stuff out... So I believe that probably the, uh, the least healthy thing on the planet is something that I call plant waste. And mm-hmm. most people hear that and kind of, what does that mean? And that is an, an original. I actually took three weeks to come up with the, the name. It doesn't sound terribly difficult to come up with, but it's essentially taking all the good stuff out and eating what's left. Yeah. And the three things that make a plant healthy are water, fiber, and micronutrients. So sugar which comes from a plant. So if I'm a vegan, it's on the menu. So vegan doesn't mean health. It is true that vegans are far healthier than the average Joe, but I try to leave the V words out of the health conversation. Yeah. Um, You know, if you're a vegan for philosophical or religious reasons, I mean, I agree with some of that philosophical stuff, um, but you're actually going to turn off the people who need the health the most. And so I, try, I say, let's pull the V's out of the health equation, put them together and create a W, which is whole. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the, uh, clever. the, uh, yeah. the whatever section, another W, um, there you go. is, uh, is what makes it a, a mostly whole plant and fatty seafood based diet. And then with the 20% whatever. So that's the summary of it. I've got a um, a routine I do. I don't. I don't I'll make smoothies pretty often. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, um, because I understand if I take a fruit and I blend it up, I'm consuming that sugar pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and the body's not generally meant to do that. So I, I, I'm aware of that. But I'll pack in carrots, beets, spinach, celery. I'll throw in a bunch of veggies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what cucumber is technically a fruit, but I'll put in some cucumber. Um, avocado is a fruit, but that's good fat, mm-hmm. right? So I'll throw stuff in like that. Then I'll have a mango, uh, a banana, and an apple, or maybe a pear or something. Um, 
I like the texture of either of those. So that'll be like my fruit smoothie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recognize I'm getting all that fiber, and I'll throw the whole fruit, right? The whole vegetable, awesome. seeds, stems, the oh. whole, like the whole. I won't cut all that out. I throw it all in. The blender's powerful, chops yeah. it all up, tastes nice and thick. Got a lot of pulp. It's great. Mm-hmm. So no juicing. I'm not yeah. leaving behind all that good stuff. So is yeah. that in your mind? Is that you think that'd be like a that's okay? Yeah, Even that's, though I'm taking in all that sugar at one yeah. time. Yeah. So, um, you know, many people would say, well, you're, you're a family doctor. What do you know about nutrition? And I say, well, I just know what I've learned from pioneers in the field that have really become experts in the world of nutrition. So, you know, I, I just kind of say, I understand your skepticism, um, but try it out. Um, and I could lead you to, to books and, and people that uh, are, would support with pretty hardcore research the things that I recommend but from what I understand if it's the sugar is part of a whole plant then it buffers the insulin response to a degree that mm. it is actually good for you because again you're 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 maintaining those three important parts of the plant it's when you pull that out and just do a spoonful of sugar right. that you just you know inside an inflammatory response leads to disease and all those kind of things so i disagree with um endocrinologists dietitians (laughs) um who say you need to cut back on those more sugary um, fruits um and again this is not me this is quoting and following and then seeing in real life um what works and what doesn't in in patients Mm -hmm. and i've had patients well my sister's a an endocrinologist or my sister-in-law or something and they say you're nuts and you really need to change your primary care physician because that is it goes against everything i say just experiment with me and again this is not me this is me based on all these pioneers and studies yeah um and i tell people you don't have to you know um, reduce your banana intake to a half a banana a day or a small handful of grapes or whatever some of those more sugary types of, of plants the more the better and I haven't lost that hmm. battle yet. I've had people come back and go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that. Is there something we can look at? Uh, that you have a reference on on that, like the process um, of sugar. I don't know if I don't I mean have to put you on the spot specifically. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean I'm I'm sure I could find it, but uh, okay. Yeah, there are the the you know again, it depends on who you read. And what I have learned in no uncertain terms is that nutrition is a lot like religion. If you've spent a lot of time researching and you've concluded good luck changing the person's mind yeah and um the the thing that i one a major point that i have and you know there are paleo and low carb people and there are more more plant-based people um and you'll lose weight on any diet that you actually stick to but normal normal weight or or um, maintaining a healthy weight is not perfectly synonymous with health mm-hmm. if it were then we'd tell everybody to smoke so what you take into your body <laughs> smoke crack man it, you'll exactly. lose weight you're gonna yeah. lose weight <laughs> and, and i've often told people i say you know, I'm, I'm grateful we have obesity because if we didn't then nobody would care about how we ate because mm. all we care is about is how we look and so if you're going to actually have normal weight plus longevity plus health then it does matter how you lose weight. Mm-hmm. But even I've, I've even spoken to some really 
you know, pioneers in their field of, of endocrinology and stuff that just flat out disagree with that statement. Yeah. They say, as long as you lose the weight, then it doesn't matter how. And I'm like, okay, but what about this? No, no, that's all. And they have to explain it away in some form or fashion. But yeah, you're absolutely right. When you form an opinion about a thing and you're Mm -hmm. part of a club and everyone in your club is echoing that same thing, it's really hard to see outside of that. Um, and, and in a way, that's a part of why I appreciate you being um, not necessarily in j- working for the man, mm-hmm. right? But you're still connected to, like you said, that Facebook group and you're connected to other doctors and uh, you're obviously doing research because you have this nutrition website. Um, so I, I appreciate that. And, and that was my my curiosity specifically about the smoothies because I know if out of what I eat in a day that's considered healthy. Yeah. We're not going to talk about the processed sugar <laughs> that I eat, but <laughs> yeah, we're all guilty. Yeah. The, the, the Snickers yeah. ice cream sandwich, man. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. Um, Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, in the smoothie, what's considered healthy is I'm like, well, I know there's a lot of sugar in that at yeah. the same time, but I assume, yeah, there's fiber and I know that I'm probably doing well there, but yeah. because I am getting some kind of insulin response, is that still okay? But uh, you said test it out and try it. Um, I've been doing that for years, and I feel freaking amazing on the days I have those smoothies. Yeah. Not just for that short-term yeah. period, but throughout the day. I don't need a coffee. Mm-hmm. I don't need any kind of stimulant. I'm I'm feeling great throughout the day. Yeah. My stomach feels happy. Yeah. And so when you when you reaffirm just now that like I was doing the right thing, I had this little kind of guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. doing it right. <laughs> Feels good. Yeah, something um, to affirm that I wasn't screwing up. Yeah. So so endurance is one of the most amazing parts of this type of a diet. Um, you don't have the ups and downs and the crashes and the burns and stuff. And there are all kinds of like records and stuff that are set by people who follow a diet like this that you would just kind of say, no, what? You know, and I'm sure some of it, some people would, you know, say it was like a sales pitch or something. But, you know, the Guinness Book of World Records, per, you know, person who's done this, the most reps of, of, the, of a certain weight is like the 67-year-old guy. Mm. You know, um, and then again, you know, I'm going to start, I, I could throw names and resources and stuff at you. And it, I, these aren't studies per se, um, but, uh, you know, anecdotes sell, um, unfortunately, um, but that's what people use to sell things. And, um, but there's a, a documentary. And again, I've even looked for, you know, criticisms of this documentary and you, you can find them everywhere. Um, but it's called Game Changers. And they show a gentleman, the, the, the person who is doing this uh, documentary, that that rope. The battle rope. Yeah, pull this up on YouTube. Go to the Game Changers rope thing. battle rope on YouTube. Uh, this this guy, for an hour, right? To, it's kind of hard to argue. And he, he even said that I, that I wasn't even tired. I just could keep going, but I had other things to do, you know? See if we can, yeah, get a little volume on it. We can take off part of our headphones and hear it. Um. Oh, is that it? It look. I saw the picture of him. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? James. Well, that's the picture, but it showed someone else. And I don't know if you saw that, but a little thing that said "Game Changers Debunked." Again, oh, you're really? going to see things from all sides. But see if you can find uh, James Wilkes. Yeah, yeah, that first video didn't have it. So did he lie? I mean, do James James Wilkes in the search there like. James Wilkes Battle Ropes. There it is. 
Is that it? That looks like. I don't think that's the one from the from the movie, but this looks like the guy. You can you can go into it. Oh, this is just some guy named James. Ah. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna find it. It's probably copyrighted or something. You know, and I'm I'm open. I'm always always learning. I'm open to the yeah. criticisms it, and trying to see okay what's real and what's not real and. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack yeah. you there, no, but you're fine. go ahead. You were talking about he had the battle ropes and well, the health. So if if it's true what he said, yeah. it's pretty convincing. Um, and I can't remember that, like in that gym, that the 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 record was under twenty minutes or something, and then he just kept going and going and going. Yeah. But again, I'm, I'm I'd be very curious to see if somebody's actually debunked that and if he lied or something. But I, I wouldn't think he would. No, but, I don't think um, he did. I watched. Yeah. He was on a couple podcasts where he he got into some discussions with people about it, and there were people in the gym. I mean, you would have seen mm-hmm. something about people saying, "No, nah, he's full of shit." He, yeah, he took a break or something. Yep. But um, yeah, an hour of battle ropes is a serious accomplishment. Yeah. That um, have you done? Have you tried battle I, ropes? Like, so <laughs> you can look at me and tell me you no, tell how much time I've spent <laughs> in a gym, but uh, I've never ever lifted. Uh, no, I actually have. I've kind of lifted them up, and I'm like, going, yeah. That would be, yeah. No, it's a, it's an amazing idea. workout yeah. for, for a, a big portion of all yeah. your upper body muscle groups, your core. I mean, you, you Imagine. when you sit back in it, so you're engaging your glutes. I mean, you're, it's a full body thing. Um, but, I mean, try to go past five minutes yeah. and, and you're smoked. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a great exercise. Well, one, you know, let me just kind of, I'm going to try to do a Reader's Digest version of this because I could talk a while about it. But so I had prostate cancer mm-hmm. um, and I, I I learned so much during that period because prior to that, I had gone to a conference that suggested that you might actually be able to reverse prostate cancer with a whole foods plant-based uh, mm. diet. And I've, I started to say this earlier, but I've actually written an, a little article for one of the magazines in Flower Mound a couple of years ago called My Seven Beefs with the Plant-Based Movement. And I generally, you can see, I'm a mostly whole plant-based person. Yeah. But um, one of the beefs is what the F is that F doing in there? Because whole foods, plant-based, just call it whole plant-based. Mm. Because then you think of the whole foods market, which is so far from whole sure. foods that it's just kind of this F word that needs to go away. Yeah, but, we can have um, a whole conversation about whole foods, the grocery store yeah, that has yeah. significantly declined in the quality yeah. of their food. But yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, I followed a whole plant and fatty seafood based diet for a year. And, you know, it's amazing when you envision every you know, gram of something like sugar or white flour is feeding your cancer. Mm. And that's the only thing that motivated me. I mean, right now there's no way I could ever do that. But I went a whole year um, doing that. And um, during that time, so um, this is where we get personal. I hope people don't get offended. But one of the things that just like shocked me as a 50-year-old man is the endurance of um, sex. Hmm. And uh, they don't talk about it a whole lot because it's like a, you know, taboo thing. But, I mean, totally changed. Uh, It was amazing how, you know, like, okay, I'm getting tired now. And that sounds like I'm sharing way too much. My wife would just cringe. Oh, this is good. Men need to hear this. Yeah. During that time, I mean, you talk about a, 
no more need for Cialis or Viagra and stuff. And in Game Changers, they actually do talk a little bit about that. Mm. Again, it's a urologist that conducts this little study. It's a small sample size and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, it's real. And I've, you know, patients who have had the discipline to uh, to really go in all go all in have noticed a difference. Um, and I actually have that. I have all these ideas, mm-hmm. and some of them are like flash in the pans, and others I want to pursue but just don't have the time. Um, but if you go to 4d4d.org I think and it directs you again to a page on my website saving money and it's the four day four diamond challenge and I call these the four diamond foods Um, and so it's essentially eating just leaving the whatever out for four days okay and just see what happens to go ahead and scroll down if you don't mind to your weight blood pressure blood sugar and it's tucked in there erectile function but Mm. um i've seen my blood pressure during that year my blood pressure when i went into the dentist's office i know they have that white coat hypertension i'm no different i'd go into the dentist's office and my blood pressure was you know 30 points higher you know usual for me was 135 over 85 and i'd go in i'd get these 160s over 100 something i'm like oh my gosh you know this is ridiculous yeah and about three months into my prostate cancer diet i call it um i had a dental appointment and i was behind and i hate running behind and i called and i I said i'm going to be a few minutes late and then i hit lunch hour traffic and i pulled in about nine minutes after i was supposed to be there they rush me in they plop me down and throw that blood pressure cuff on me hold on one second yeah are we we good oh look at you were signaling over oh (laughs) Go ahead. So, the, so the yeah, blood they, pressure. they throw the blood pressure cuff on me. I'm like, okay, great. And it was like 106 over 63. Ooh. And I kind of went, what? The? I'm looking at this wrist readout. I'm like, and I'd read books and there's a book called Eat to Live that I've promoted. I actually wrote a book in 2006 called Svelte Life. Don't get it. It's before I kind of discovered this new way of looking at it. <laughs> he and was about to pull it. Up. <laughs> yeah, you could probably Can find, find it, it on uh, SvelteLife.com. Yeah, S V E L T E. Svelte. S V. Sorry, S V E L T E. S V E L. L T E. Yeah, you got the T and the L. Yeah, switch the L and the T there. Svelte. And then all one word, life. Just put life on there. Svelte life. There it is. There it is. So this is the book we should not get now. You're, based on yeah. your new... And look at all those ratings. You know, my sister was one of those, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but look at the... Humble beginnings. Highly, right? yeah. highly in demand how expensive that is. It's just yeah. you can't find it, but... No, so, anyway. you, so you started out writing that, and what was, now you're saying that's bad so bad it, info now? Well, it's just older, kind of, it has a lot of good, st- I mean, most of it's still valid, yeah. but it doesn't have my nutrition star, it doesn't have kind of the newer stuff that I learned in tw- 2011 through 2013 or so. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to work on another book, and a book called How Not to Get Sick, 10 Critical Keys for Preventing Disease, and that'll be out in 2040. Yeah. At the current pace. Um, well, if you can drop somebody's <laughs> blood pressure that significantly and, yeah. and to live. increase uh, erectile function, I mean, yeah. those two things alone, I think, are it's major a good selling points. <laughs> yeah, but Eat yeah. to Live, Dr. Joel Furman, um, when I discovered his book, and again, all kinds of potential criticisms about that, but uh, I 
when I saw a video um, of his stuff, I was so sold that I bought the book. And when I saw the book and at the very bottom, it says lose 20 pounds in six weeks. I went, oh my gosh, another diet. It's gimmicky, right? I almost threw it away. Yeah. But I'm glad I didn't because it's actually real. And okay. so I became so convinced. I started r- recommending it to my patients and um, some television station got wor- wind that, hey, Dr. Clough had written this book, but don't read his, read this one now. And I had a little television spot. It's probably out there somewhere. Yeah. But, um, you know, I started getting people convinced and selling people and people would read it. They'd get convinced and they'd see all of the, that magic. He has a lot of stories, mm-hmm. you know, but he has some, a lot of data to support it. And you read these anecdotes and you're like, okay, that's an exception. It's not one of those results, not typical it's it's yeah. real and i started seeing it in my patients and then i saw that thing happen in me um and i i actually uh started calling them for maniacs um but uh slowly one by one they started falling off the wagon and, mm. and because it's just too intense it's real it's powerful if you can stick to it but it has a basically in in a nutshell um partially uh, pun intended he has a, something called the G-Bombs diet, and it's greens, beans, onions, mushrooms, berries, and seeds. And he has recipes, and he has a website. He's actually quite the marketer, which makes me kind of pull back a little bit, but uh, it's real. And so it's just that you got to have that. Where, where is that magical intersection between what works for weight loss and health and stuff and then what's livable? Yeah. And that's the holy grail. And I believe that, of course I do, but my nutrition star is that. And I've seen it work in people. I've had, you know, I've done the research and studies and stuff. It's, it's going to be tainted anyway, because it's me doing the research, right? Sure. So nobody, I'm not going to pay somebody to do it. It's just, I've, I believe in it. And, and most people who do it, it works for them. So, but again, it's still hard. And so that's why I'm working on my restaurant. That was a nice little segue. Oh. <laughs> um, it's hard. Yeah. It's simply hard. And, um, and so until we make it easier for people, then it's not going to be sustainable. Well, before we get to the restaurant, I do want to, because we didn't close off the, the prostate cancer stuff. So mm-hmm. what, what happens? So you did this diet. You, you show up there. You're at like a 105 blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Like what's, uh, is it the diet alone that led to the remission? Yeah, so you know, here's confession time. I have I've always gotten my exercise from sports, and then when I blew out my knee at age thirty, and then I used to play a ton of volleyball, and I tore my rotator cuff during a roundhouse spike, and I just kind of pulled the rug out from under me, and so I went and got these repaired. Um, but because the original right knee surgery that I had was only a scope they were going to repair the whole thing but they went in and found out that the acl the anterior cruciate ligament was only partially torn so they made an intraoperative decision just to kind of leave it there and didn't give me enough um, advice about how critical it was to strengthen my quads and rehabilitate i did some and enough to get through and pain and back to full function but over time because i had a slightly loose ligament or a weak ligament, then slowly over time, my knee joint just ground down to nothing. And so I'm bone on bone. Mm. So my orthopedic surgeon just says, you, you're banned from all running, jumping and cutting. And I'm like, just take me out back and shoot me. I've never, I don't enjoy swimming. 
I think I got better things to do. Um, I think if I had my own pool and didn't have to have people see me, my scrawniness, that I'd probably go more. Um, bicycling, I've never been a cyclist. I finally got myself a mountain bike, but in Flower Mound, you know, I haven't even been out to the lake to to, to explore the trails. It's just yeah. so busy with other things. I, you know, just like any human, have excuses, et cetera. But um, it's hard for me to to make time for the kind of exercise that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that was diet. All of that improvement, 100%, was diet. Occasionally, I went out for a walk and stuff, but it was all diet. And here's another phenomenal thing. And again, you're going to get all kinds of blowback, when, or you may, or I might, whatever. Um, I didn't restrict salt at all. Hmm. And everybody says, okay, well, the DASH diet, you know, from the American uh, College of Cardiology, Heart Association, et cetera, limits salt to blank. Um, well, another pioneer in the field of, of what I call the new nutrition, um, John McDougall, and you can see that on my nutrition side is, is there's a little thing that says salt at the top. The nutrition star? Yeah, if you go down, you can click a little link that says salt. And um, Dr. McDougall, there's a, a link there. Okay. And um, it really is not the grand evil. I don't know. Yeah. So it's not the salt. It's what you eat the salt with. Mm. It's the French fries, not the salt on the French fries that's making your blood pressure go up. And so um, because I was eating healthier, I probably ate more salt and and still I had that incredible blood pressure. So... My general opinion is salt, um, you don't cut it back too much, but you don't do excess. So just moderation in salt. So what, Let's see what it says here. So he's quoting the British Medical Journal in 2002. Uh, lowering sodium intake may have adverse effects on vascular endothelium through stimulation of the renin-angiotensin system and on serum total and low density lipoprotein cholesterol concentrations can you con- uh, can you translate all that into english yeah <laughs> i so can read it but i don't i don't know what endothelium vascular endothelium is and some of those other ones yeah so the vascular endothelium is just the inner layer of the blood vessels okay. and that's the that has a lot of attention in the world of medicine cuz that's what kind of is damaged that begins the whole process of heart disease buildup Mm. Um, the renin-angiotensin system is part of the kidney system of controlling blood pressure. Um, and, of course, LDL cholesterol is the bad yeah. cholesterol, we call it. So apparently in this study, and again, you know, you can't just go by one study. you got to look at it. I mean, how many people were involved? What kind of, you know, right. bias might there be and stuff? So that's his, you know, justification. But you have to look at it and go in deeper and heavier. But... Um, just what I've seen and what I've learned. And, you know, there's uh, Scientific American, I think, put out a, a pretty um, damning uh, discussion or article about how we shouldn't vilify salt. Um, damning is in, like, the medical community that's telling us we need to freak out about salt. So there's more out there than just this. And then um, I think above that, he talks about somewhere in there he says... Yeah, so maybe don't cook with salt, but don't, you know, when you taste salt, it's on the outside of the food. And so, you know, maybe cook your vegetables with less salt and then just add the salt after the fact. And then, 
you know, you're getting all the flavor without potential damage. Hmm. So anyway. So let's, if, if I can take it, uh, if you don't mind me addressing it, um, in, in somewhat I've heard it's like a racial issue that you hear black people, they can't eat salt cause they have certain health issues. What can we talk towards yep. that? Like, how does that, is yep. there an ethnicity bias, um, with salt, like have people having high blood pressure due to salt yep. based on their genetic code? Like, how does that work? And so you'll see about halfway through the paragraph, um, it says, if you are salt sensitive mm-hmm. and you're at high risk because of certain things. And yes, there's no question that African-Americans have a higher risk in certain ethnic groups. Salt does, you know, okay. they need to be worried more than others. And so, so that is confirmed. That's, so that is uh, yeah. scientifically yeah, sound? I, okay. I believe so, yeah. So, hmm. yeah, Interesting. It, so you still have to be concerned if you're going to be salt sensitive. But as I say here, it's my very strong opinion that what you put the salt on is far more important than whether or not you salt yeah. You use salt. Is that, I'm thinking back to like 30,000 years ago, 50,000 years ago, um, maybe even less than that, maybe even after the, um, what is that, the the deep freeze 12,000 years ago, the Ice Age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't remember the name of it, but maybe even since then, uh, that would be probably better uh, example. Something like eight, ten thousand 10,000 years ago, you've got people in Europe, you've got people in Africa and Asia, and they're they're eating a specific kind of diet. Mm-hmm. And it, is that related to why now you have tolerances and intolerances to certain minerals and, and food content? I can't say that I know, okay. um, to be honest with you. I would assume that, that so much of it has to do with the way our body has adapted over time and, you know, genetics and stuff like that. But I would, I'd be lying if I if I indicated that I had any kind of um, expertise to answer that question okay yeah if you have anything just wave your hand at me John but um I'm thinking about it because like northern Europeans there's a lot of like salted meats preserved Mm -hmm. meats because it's cold and it's Mm -hmm. winter and we've got to do something to keep our our meat and we don't have refrigeration so what do we do we salt the hell out of our pork Mm -hmm. and our beef and everything else and that preserves it yeah um, so I'm thinking maybe I'm, I'm just I spitballing think it's a great here. hypothesis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm thinking that if you're living in the, the plains, uh, uh, somewhere in sub-Saharan Africa and you're running, uh, doing a lot of running and you're mm-hmm. eating, um, things off the land, um, and you're actively hunting, there's not really a need per, for pres- preservation of food. So you're not eating salt. And so right. you don't have a tolerance for it. That's why you have the different, um, proteins that people can, handle lactose mm-hmm. from the dairy in Europe, mm-hmm. but then they come over here and drink the dairy here and they're messes reactions, up their gut yeah. have, have different reactions. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, 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 we're not necessarily proving anything here, but it's a thought it's as to why interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'll die. I'm, I'm kind of blown away by this because my grandfather died from prostate cancer mm-hmm. and I watched him die. I mean, I was yeah. there and, um, they they wheel him into the hospice and I mean, I guess I didn't know because I was younger. They didn't really tell me how bad it was until it was at the end. Yeah. Um, and um, but I remember the guy drank all the time, had the the biggest beer belly you could imagine, uh, and it's all bloating, a lot right? Of inflammation. Inflammation yeah. that you yeah you wouldn't yeah. believe. And um, and so you know us Wagners, we're pretty lean people. We're you know, high, high metabolism, pretty healthy in general, good genetics, awesome. I, I would argue. Um, yeah. 
we had, we got a good deal, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, he just wrecked his body, drinking, smoking cigars, just eating whatever, just living large. And um, you know, some could argue that hey, he enjoyed his life, and that's great. But yeah. you know, his life ended early because of prostate cancer. And um, it's cool to meet somebody that just through diet. Well, so I need to finish the story please, then, yeah, please, because um, I need to make a very um, frank statement that's going to go exactly the opposite of where you thought it was going to go. Okay, <laughs> okay, and and maybe this is good because um, I need some kind of a forum to be able to get this word out because yeah, um, it was such a a. An, a fascinating journey for me and I learned so much from it. Again, you're talking about a study of one, but when I tell you about this, you'll agree that, that I've, you know, learned some things that are, are really critical to understand. So first of all, the studies that suggested that you might be able to reverse prostate cancer were misread or mis- misinterpreted. What did they say originally? Okay. So, um, and, I think it's appropriate to say this, but um, there was a study that was um, conducted by two of the pioneers in in nutrition, uh, Dean Ornish and um, Neil Barnard. Uh, Dean Ornish, um, just you can look him up. He has the Spectrum um, is the name of his program. But uh, from what I understand, he's the only, at least he used to be the only um, author or creator of a program that, a lifestyle medicine program that was so well proven that Medicare covers it. And it's a very expensive program Mm -hmm. in reversing disease and diabetes and and even heart disease. Okay. And so, you know, he's, he's the real deal. I mean, compared to him, I'm a little tiny, you know, grain of salt. I mean, he's just done so, so much in his life. And so, um, and I, I'm going to look at that right there, and yeah, I apologize. I have to call him on that, and I think it's okay to talk about this because it's the right thing to do. Let's, um, I'll describe for the listeners. So we're looking yeah. at the Ornish Reversal Program and what it can do. Uh, it says it can reverse heart disease, reverse diabetes, reverse prostate cancer, and help you lose weight. Yeah, three out of four. Um, so, ah. Uh, Okay, so um, I'm I'm probably just going to have to leave it to your discretion as to whether or not you want to include this, but this is really critical to understand. Yeah. So any um, physician who knows anything about prostate disease and prostate cancer knows that the majority of elevated PSAs, so the PSAs, prostate-specific antigen, um, it's specific to the prostate, so if it goes up, then you have something wrong with your prostate. And so... Um, Everybody knows that, or should know, that the that elevated PSAs, the majority, and probably around three-fourths, are not due to prostate cancer, but due to inflammation. Mm. Well, up until my experience, I interpreted that as infection or enlarged prostate. And I had enlarged prostate symptoms from age 35. And so, um, I, and then I had two second-degree relatives who had died in their 50s from prostate cancer. So I was really keeping a close eye on mine. Yeah. Um, they were more naturalists. They didn't see doctors and stuff, so they just kind of let it run its course. But um, I was keeping a close eye on mine. And so I, I went to my, my, I had a PSA of about a 2.7. And PSA normal values are between 0.4 and 4.0. But the older you are, the higher you should be able to accept it because your prostate grows slowly over time. 
So if you no have matter a, what, no matter what, yeah. Oh, wow. So okay, and, and then it's so common that I think the statistics are that two or one out of every three men above age sixty-five have prostate cancer and don't know it. One out of or two out of every three over age eighty-five have it. Wow. But it's such a slow-growing cancer. There are aggressive strains, but wow. most of them are so slow-growing that you'll die with it, not from it. Hmm. And so you really ought to stop checking for prostate cancer somewhere around 70 or so. Um, and it depends on the individual. If the person is got heart failure and you expect them to live three more years, you have no business checking a PSA. Hmm. Just have no business. And, you know, I saw this thing that Warren Buffett got his checked at 80. And I'm like, give me that doctor's phone number. I need to give him a little, you know, uh, I'm thinking Spanish, arrastrado or something. Just, you know, <laughs> smack him upside the head. Yeah. Um, probably even said that wrong. Anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, so if you have a, um, a 30-year-old with a 3.7, you have prostate cancer. Until proven otherwise, unless you wow. unless you have an infection, or and I'll explain something um, in a second that was the big aha moment for me. Um, on the flip side, if you're 62 and you have a PSA of 0.9, you are never going to die of prostate cancer. Wow. You can just stop checking. Okay. So they really ought to have normal values like per decade of age, and, right? And just so because you don't get you know confused by all that. Um, so anyway, so here I am at, at age 50, um, and my PSA, I check it yearly, and there's all kinds of argument about how often and stuff, and of course, my way is the right way, um, but uh, I was about a 2.7, and then age 50, it jumped to a 4.3, and I went, oh, garbage. Um, my partner, who was also my, uh, my uh, PCP, Dr. Haviman, James Haviman, um, he, uh, he said, okay, let's add a free PSA. And it's just an additional test that you can add that gives you more information. And, and there's a table that has percentiles. If the lower the free PSA, the higher the risk for it being due to prostate cancer. And it was low. Mm. And so I went to my, uh, urologist, Dr. Keith Wagesback, and, uh, he said, yeah, let's, let's do a biopsy. And he was very kind. He did a baker's dozen, usually do 12. He gave me that extra 13th. Oh yeah. Way to go. Thank you. Just trying to be thorough. And <laughs> sure enough, prostate cancer. Wait, hold on. What's the 12th and 13th? The, the finger? Is so, that what we're talking about? No, no. Oh. The, the, the biopsy. So oh, got a it. Okay. transrectal, you go in <laughs> chunk, you know, like, oh, this is going to feel like a rubber band and Ooh, mighty powerful rubber band. Okay. So anyway, um, but, uh, yeah, you have prostate cancer. And, uh, you know, he said, all right, I want you to read this book. And it's the Bible, um, Patrick Walsh, All Things Prostate Cancer. And Patrick Walsh is the father of the m- minimally invasive robotic-assisted uh, nerve-sparing uh, radical prostatectomy. It's a mouthful. Wow, no kidding. I'm but, amazed that you even remember that. <laughs> is this, okay, that's this it. is it. That's Pat, it. Dr. Patrick Walsh's Guide to Surviving Prostate yeah. Cancer. So this is what you were recommended to read. Yep, big old Bible, big old beast, lots of pages there. And I didn't read every single page, but I read through it. And um, yeah. and I knew stuff as a physician, certain options of addressing prostate cancer, but there are seven, you know, you can heat it, you can freeze it, you can do chemo, radiation, um, you can do hormonal, um, I don't know what number I'm on, you can cut it out, 
Um, and then you can have this option called the surveillance option. And because prostate cancer is so slow growing, you can just watch it. And mm. most people are like, wait, what? I got cancer. Do something, right? Right. But it's a real option. In fact, there's a lot of data to support that, you know, you don't want to do more harm than good. You're dealing with a pretty sensitive area in there. Um, erectile function, incontinence, and, or continence, et cetera. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, I read this book and um, kind of, you know, uh, learned more about each of the options and stuff. I go back for my follow-up and uh, he says, all right, well, you know, you know what the options are and what are you thinking? And I said, with great confidence, the surveillance option. And he said, oh, okay, that's, that's fine. But, but what made you choose that? And by the way, there are grades, of course, and mine was something called a Gleason 6 out of 10. And it was a perfectly good option for that level. And, but because very few people choose that option, he was kind of a little surprised. and said, what makes you choose that? And I, with confidence, said, I'm going to reverse it through diet. Wow. And he leaned in. And he said, Doug, he said, this is cancer. This is uncontrolled growth. You may improve your quality of life. You may slow it down a little bit, but it does not go backwards. And, you know, I don't know what my face showed, but inside I popped those little peacock feathers out and said, you watch me. <laughs> so, I mean, wow. I went hard and heavy and I did. I, like, so the, the surveillance arm essentially is, Every three months, you recheck the PSA and a rectal exam. Thank heavens, I never have to do that again. Um, and then in a year, you repeat the biopsy. And so three months in, again, I talked about my, my blood pressure thing, but my PSA, sorry, I do this all the time. I got to back up. So Dr. Ornish and Dr. Barnard, their study, this is the one that I learned about shortly before my diagnosis, they were able to compare this people, a large, pretty decent size uh, number of people that follow the SAD diet, the standard American diet versus a whole foods plant-based diet. Right. And over six months, the SAD diet went up by an average of 0.5. And then the whole foods plant-based went down by 0.5 for a delta of one. And again, when you're dealing with a 0.4 to 4.0, that's a pretty big jump or difference. Yeah. And so then they were like, oh my gosh, we might be able to reverse prostate cancer. They repeated the study, got the same results, and this is what they presented at this conference. Mm. So this is what I had in the brain. And I said, I'm going to reverse this. I'm, I'm motivated. And he was like, you know, you're okay to follow this surveillance arm. What you do is, you know, your decision, but let's see you back in, in three months. My PSA went down by 1.6. None of this 0.5 garbage. You know, when you do a, a dietary study, it's a lot of fishiness, you know, people yeah. reporting things and whatever. And those whole foods, plant-based aficionados who disagree with fish, I had a lot of fatty seafood during that time. And so I believe that it causes more benefit than harm. And so even with that and, and all the plants that I ate, a 1.6 drop. Um, and then the next one was, down, you know, so 2.7 and then the next one was 2.6. It stayed 2.6, 2.7 that entire year. Mm. So I went back to Dr. Waggis back and I'm like, I'm walking in going, I got to see what you have to say about this. And shaking your peacock. And, a yeah. Little. And, yeah. and he said, oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, <laughs> 
And he's a great guy. I mean, I still refer all my urology patients you know, sure. to him. But I was kind of like, come on. Give me the you satisfaction. you got to admit yeah. that there's something <laughs> going on. But he knows and knew more than I did at the time that the, the PSA can fluctuate. But when it stayed that level the whole year, I'm excited. And so what I tell people is that never before has a man looked more forward to a prostate bi- biopsy than I did. Yeah. And never before has a man been more disappointed when my Gleason score went up to a seven. It actually almost exploded. So if I remember correctly, wow. my um the the initial twelve or sorry, thirteen biopsies, um, three of them were positive. And but of the cells within the biopsy, there were only about twenty to thirty percent involvement, and there's fudge in there. I know that I'm missing some numbers, um, but in the th- the second biopsy, I had seven were positive, and a few of them were more than fifty percent. So, I call that exploded. Yeah. So, despite all of that, with the PSA staying there, it was not indicative of prostate cancer. Because, and that's when I went, oh my gosh. It's because I reversed inflammation, and we know that inflammation, but people blame it on infection, your diet totally can affect your PSA. So I went, holy cow, they're misinterpreting the data. That's why their PSAs are going down, because of inflammation, not because of reversing prostate cancer. Wow. So I go back to the same conference that following year with the sole purpose of cornering these two physicians. <laughs> which I did, um, and, you know, they're very, you know, popular or whatever. Dr. Ornish, that second year that I went, won the first uh, Lifetime Lifestyle Medicine Award, and so he got swarmed by everybody afterwards. So I kind of stood in back and waited, had written my story on a business, the back of my business card, and I waited like 30, 45 minutes, and finally the last person just kept going on and on, and he finally kind of looked at me, and he said, uh, just a second, can I help you? And I said, yeah, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but um, I'm Doug Clough. I'm a family physician, and I just wanted to tell you, I've got my little story written on the back, but I think you're misinterpreting the data as being reducing the PSA due to inflammation, not because of prostate cancer. And I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said enough that he understood, and he went, oh. He said, have you talked to Neil about it? And I said, no, not yet. I was going to corner him tomorrow. And he said, we will call you. And so the next day, went to one of Neil, Dr. Barnard's, um, Bernard Barnard, I think it is, lectures, went up the escalator, said, hey, uh, Dr. Barnard, you know, I'm Doug Clough and blah, blah, blah. Oh, have you talked to Dean about this? And I said, yes, we will call you. Huh. No phone calls. Oh, really? And I don't believe that they're full of it, but I'm a little worried that he still has that on his website that it says you may reverse prostate cancer with that because that's a study of one. That's interesting. Pretty powerful though. I don't believe that that's true. Hmm. So Dr. McDougall has quoted that study and he has kind of redefined how he defines treating cancer is is that if you can live a, a normal lifespan, then you have beaten it. So with his starch solution, by the way, you want to kind of get an eyeful. 70% of the world's population lives primarily on starches and beans and corn and potatoes, and they're the healthiest population on the planet. Mm. I know they're very powerful, but again, you can find criticisms. Is a book called The Blue Zones, 
and they've just picked several places throughout the the the, uh, the world where they have people that just live a long, healthy life. And and Dr. Uh, Dan Butner, who's not a physician but a fellow of the National Geographic Foundation, they funded him going into all of these places, um, the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica, um, Sardinia, Greece. Okinawa, Japan, and even uh, Loma Linda, California, where there are a bunch of vegetarians. Hmm. And he's put this into a book. It's really a good See read. See if there's a picture, there's a map. I've seen this before. Uh-huh. I've heard of the Blue Zone. Pull up, pull up that map, John. Um, that's amazing, though, that if PSA levels are affected by diet because inflammation is being reduced, then our doctors... in let me understand if I'm hearing you correctly. Are doctors misinterpreting what PSA levels mean? In that instance, yeah. So they're so, misinterpreting, they're misdiagnosing prostate cancer as being just well, they're mis- middle-aged mis- inflammation? Uh, no. No, I don't think it goes that way as much as that they're, if they're thinking that they're reversing prostate cancer because they're seeing the PSA go down, they're mis- misinformed oh, or misinterpreting. I see. You know, so... Um, yeah, Dr. McDougall quoted that study recently, and I'm just like, okay, I've got on my list of things to do. I've somehow got to get a hold of these guys and say, hey, guys, don't you remember our discussion? And anyway, so again, that's yeah. a study of one. So if they've taken that information into consideration and proven on biopsy that they've been able to do it, well, then I'm an outlier. Sure. And I'm willing to accept that. I'm, I'm again, anxious to find the truth, but I, I haven't seen that yet so um, yeah it'd be interesting to see what the outcome of a conversation would be with you sharing your data yeah and then uh, sorry let's get back to that map i wanted to still stay there <laughs> i didn't yeah. mean for you to close that but it'd be cool for you to see you compare your data with theirs and see if you are an outlier or if there's um something, you know, to, so- be something to be learned there yeah, yeah. yeah. so y- you're talking about these blue zones these are people that eat high starch diets uh, well, so mostly I think what these, it's, it's different from that quote that I said about 70% of the world's population, but it does apply oh, okay. mostly to them. But mainly his point is that it's a mostly plant-based, whole plant-based. And I totally messed okay. up. I do this. Sardinia, Italy, Icaria, Greece. I think I it, may have said Sardinia, Greece or something. Oh, like. okay. Zoom, zoom in on that, John, if we can. I just want to, my eyes are shot at the end of the day. Mm. So we're looking at it. It's interesting how there's a kind of a horizontal band, mm-hmm. right? That you don't see anything north or south of these of these locations. Like you don't have anything in Canada or Europe, Russia, mm-hmm. Africa, or South America, Australia. Is there anything to that? Like I this is just what grows in those areas. Noticed that, but uh, that is interesting. It's it's not. It's all north of the equator. Yeah. Um, but it seems to be in in a specific. Line. temperature region of the yeah latitude yeah mm-hmm. well and, and they found a, a sixth blue zone and i think you wrote another book after that about that i can't even remember where that was i don't even know if i bought the book but um but he's again you know dan butner he is a million miles ahead of anything that i wish i could accomplish um and but it's there's been a little bit of i think fort worth became blue zone certified and I started looking into that and what that entailed, and it seemed like it kind of got off the, you know, the the purity of the the, the mission and yeah. stuff. But uh, 
Anyway, there's it's very fascinating. I'm sorry, but that's all BS. There's no way anything in Texas is a blue zone. Right? I don't even yeah. believe that for Austin, man. I mean, Texas is franchise capital yeah. of the world. Let's get all the franchise restaurants here. And yeah, and I don't think it's suggesting that they're following it, but it's like certain criteria criteria were met to uh, kind of encourage a healthier move towards. Now they're going to do a blue, blue zone star rating. This ha- this meets five stars out of ten blue zone. Well, and, and I wish stars. they would do something like that. You know, I've got my, again, plans to, to try to influence the world. I, I always tell people that I, I've got all these, you know, wonderful ideas, and I'm right on the cusp of making them all go, but I'm missing four things. Money, people, time, and expertise. That's all. Just those four things. That's all I'm you need. Right on the cusp. Yeah, I just need a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, I just, it's just me, so anyway. What, so let's, I want to put a bow on this, on the prostate cancer thing. So diet did or did not actually lead to the curing of the situation? It did not. Okay. It did not. So at that point, I said, cut that sucker out. So I had a full um, nerve sparing, thank heaven, so I didn't get the side effects. Um, and it was done by Dr. Wagaspak, who had done hundreds and hundreds of them before. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, had faith in his outcomes. And so I, I went through it and... I learned that, and I learned that it didn't reverse it. Now, might it have slowed it down? Possibly, but mm-hmm. it definitely didn't reverse it. It definitely got worse, and so I ended up curing it by cutting it out, and luckily, so far, you know, six, seven, eight years out, all of my PSAs have been undetectable, so we believe we caught it before it metastasized. Yeah, well, that's good. I'm happy to hear that. Um, did Do you think that, any kind of accelerated growth of the cancer was a result of the diet, like introduction of some of some other substance you're eating? That's an interesting question. I don't know if there's any way to find out. I have never thought about that as a possibility. You mm-hmm. know, the fact that it did everything else really well, all right. the things that I expected it to do for my cholesterol, for my weight, for my yeah. blood pressure. Um, I'd be surprised if that uh, was the case, but yeah. there's no way to know. Yeah, well, it's it's great that the inflammation reduced so much. I mean, it's just reflected in that your blood pressure was so low. Um, just all of the other performance things you mentioned mm-hmm. improving. Yeah. Like, that's that's a... Pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah. pleasant surprise. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's uh, nobody's going to be disappointed in that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Except for the women. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I said Except that. I can't believe... We're leaving that. that. Yeah. Mrs. Clough, we're leaving that. No. Yeah. She would just... <laughs> jaw drop and oh no everyone will get a laugh out of that. No, she she'd probably <laughs> she wouldn't be surprised but she'd be horrified mortified but yeah. anyway <laughs> as would other certain people who used to respect me anyway go oh, ahead that's <laughs> all right <laughs> um so th- is that the was the prostate cancer journey and the experience of what you saw the results of the diet is that what led you to do the the website and it seems to me that you're more let me elaborate. It mm-hmm. seems to me that you and your practice overall are more interested in preventative health, um, diet, and lifestyle, uh, lifestyle. Yeah. 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 So I've observed that cause you have a lot of literature, a lot of, um, collateral that you hand out to patients. Mm-hmm. I see in your, um, um, your newsletter that you email everyone out. Like there's a lot of stuff that covers about just health in general. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that's uh, vague and, <laughs> uh, maybe obnoxious, but, uh, health related to like diet, Mm-hmm. Um, and lifestyle in that regard. So what what have you learned since going through the prostate experience in, up till now in terms of like diet, in terms of preventative care, in terms of like 
um, more so beyond just the, the five points on the star, what are some daily things that we can kind of take from that? Well, and so speaking of stars, so the logo for my practice is a star also, and it is to represent oh, the five that. the yeah. five therapeutic lifestyle changes that, yeah. and so, you know, Dr. Ornish has his four things um, that he promotes, um, but mine are nutrition, exercise, um, weight management, stress management, and, s- and quality sleep. Mm. And so um, somewhere, I believe it's on the front page, you know, my goal is always to reduce the medicines that people are required to take. Um, I try hard to have people work on treating things with lifestyle before resorting to medicine in most cases. There are definitely some exceptions, um, but my goal is always either to treat with lifestyle or reduce as much as possible um, the amount of medicine people have to take for their different medical conditions. And of course, everybody's different in their capabilities or their belief in the system and um, genetics play a role, whether or, not, whether or not you might be able to get off of something. Off of something. But that is one of my greatest, um, you, know, ah, you know, raise the roof, exciting, wonderful um, successes when I can pull somebody off of medicine because of lifestyle. That to me is the greatest satisfaction in my you know, yeah. professional career. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to feel amazing because yeah. you're like, okay, this is working. This is uh, this is happening. This person's going to live longer. Yeah, and then what's really important to emphasize for everybody is that it's not all about the numbers. So again, you know, a person with a certain diet may say, "Hey, look, I dropped my LDL by blank, and it was completely opposite from your diet." So you know, and I can do it too. And I'm like, okay, you fixed the numbers just like I had fixed my PSA, but it doesn't mean that you're not actually developing heart disease. So cholesterol doesn't kill you. Cholesterol that sticks kills you. And what makes it stick is inflammation. Mm. So if you have an inflammatory diet, I don't care what your numbers are. You can be a 40 year old man who has a cholesterol number of this of, that's low and die of a heart attack because you have other inflammatory factors in play, a strong family history or smoking or obesity or diabetes or high blood pressure, all the you know um, inflammatory rheumato- rheumatic diseases and stuff are, are risk factors for heart disease. Then you can have somebody who their entire life has high LDL cholesterol but never dies of a heart attack because they have a very anti-inflammatory lifestyle, lower stress, wow. quality sleep, exercise, normal weight, no diabetes, no high blood pressure. So, you know, I don't care if you tell me that with the Atkins diet, you dropped your LDL to blank. I, I, yeah. I don't care. Good for you, but it doesn't mean much to me because I know that it's not just about the numbers. It doesn't show the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you're targeting the one thing, like in your case, the PSA number looked better, but... It didn't, it wasn't a representation of... It wasn't real, yeah. Wow, okay, so if someone can look at their LDLs and think, oh, I've got a good number, I'm happy, or whatever number they're looking at, that's a single metric. One piece, yeah. Yeah. Um, What is it, if we're to, would you say that inflammation is a primary indicator of a lot of issues? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a leading. I'm I'm leading the witness here. And that's but. <laughs> a and that's a catch word. I mean, it's a popular thing that everybody's using now, but it's it's very real. You know, there are various uh, you know markers of inflammation, but 
the classic markers of inflammation aren't always indicative of the type of inflammation that we're talking about that actually does lead to disease. It's more of a, do I have an inflammatory condition, you know, so. What can I do? How would I know if I'm, if I'm asking the doctor, um, if I, like, how would I know if I have inflammation versus not? Like, what, yeah. what's something I can do in my day-to-day thing? Yeah, so, um, I mean, all of the factors that we talked about, um, blood pressure, um, obesity, you know, fat cells are inflammatory by mm-hmm. nature. Um, so, you know, looking at the entire picture, you can kind of tell like what kind of lifestyle do you have and the family history and stuff. Um, and then what kind of diet do you have? And that's, it's a much, much better, um, indicator of the level of inflammation in your body than a marker. And yet there are many people way smarter than I am. Um, that say, no, if you check your high sensitivity, high sensitivity, high sensitivity CRP, I'm going to blame that on the braces. It's all right. Um, but, uh, you know, and there are other biomarkers and stuff, the, the lipoprotein A and things that people, a lot of people say you need to be checking on a much more regular basis, but they have a lot less science associated or, you know, thing to, things to back those up. But again, now I'm starting to get a little bit out of my comfort level as far as acting as if I know what I'm talking about. So I leave a lot of that to, to the specialists and the researchers. Sure. But, um, yeah. you know, so there are some biomarkers that you can check that might give you a better idea and might uncover, um, inflammation that you didn't know you had, but, um, the history and the physical appearance, et cetera, um, their dietary history are much more indicative from what I understand of what kind of inflammation you have in your body. Okay, so there's no magic secret thing. Like you'll you'll be able to kind of tell just by observing these things that you mentioned. Yeah, I yep. I remember um, years ago because um, I just like yourself, you talked about your book earlier that you know the information not as good as what you have now. It's part of that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're all on this kind of like health journey as a as a species as a culture. Um, but years ago, I think I was a little after college. Um, uh, I was at the gym and I overheard these women talking and she, and this one girl's like, girl, I'm eating healthy now. She's like, yeah, what are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm drinking Gatorade and eating at Subway. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Lots to learn. Yep. The idea yep. of what is healthy and what isn't, um, yep. is cause you mentioned that a minute ago, you said, well, eating healthy and knowing your diet and um, I think there's like the sad diet you mentioned, standard American diet. I think people generally think that they're eating healthy and don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And they believe the advertisers, the marketers, you know. Yeah. Low fat, healthy. Low carb, healthy. Dude, the fat thing drives yeah. me crazy. The yeah. low fat. And and you go to restaurants now and they're even saying um, egg white omelet. And I'm yeah. like, stop that shit. Yeah. That drives me nuts. It really upsets me. Yeah. I'm like, that's not a thing. We've proven a long time ago, not a long time, but it, we've proven within a number of years ago that like we want all of the egg yolk. Mm-hmm. We want all, we want the healthy fat. Yeah. Stop this low fat thing. It's just. Uh, yeah, it is very, very frustrating. And you just kind of yeah. roll your eyes and wish you had a bigger, bigger bully pulpit, you know? Yeah. So. Well, I, I. And I, it's like people that are large that I know in my life, not large in my life, but they're large people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it's like they're they're talking about low fat for years and they're still not getting smaller. I'm like, haven't you figured out by now that this isn't going to work? Yeah. Sorry, I'm grandstanding yeah. a little bit. I'm just venting on some of this, but. Can't disagree. Yeah. So. 
I'm sure that I'm sure you may experience that with patients, yep. just the the same kind of conversations. Yes, sir. <laughs> I do day in and day out. Well, yeah. th- that's a great segue into you talking about your restaurant. So, um, cause it, this is great. I mean, you I, I love watching your journey, um, and just kind of observing it because you've got the practice of going from standard medicine into direct primary care, which I think is an administrative change as well as like a quality of life change for yourself and the oh, patients. Yeah. I yeah. think it's a big, big change there, but just like that n- nutrition journey, of experiencing cancer yourself, of self-healing with a lot of the reduction in inflammation. You've got your um, website and you focus a lot on diet and quality of life, lifestyle for your patients. Um, So that's not enough for you, huh? You got (laughs) to start a restaurant. Yeah, just looking for the the best way to help. Yeah. So so what is this? It's it's a health food restaurant, I assume? Yeah, yeah. So... um, you know, I'll say something that's kind of a blanket, uh, pretty bold statement, but, um, you know, I've done a lot of different things, um, uh, in, with the attempt to help the health of the nation and give people tools. Um, I have this very lightly touched upon nonprofit called Keep Flower Mount Healthy, um, a national nonprofit called Project Simplify Health. And, um, you can see websites, but just, I haven't had time to do things, um, but uh, Keep Flower Mound Healthy was meant to try to help people identify restaurants, the different um, menu items that were healthier than others. Oh, that's cool. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, and again, we didn't get very far into it. Uh, Project Simplify Health was meant to identify supermarket products that, uh, you know, the, the goal was to eventually have a little logo on the items that met certain criteria so you wouldn't have to stop and look at the label or even wonder, just look for the logo and pop it in your basket and off you go. Is Keep Flower Mountain Healthy, like, is it online? We can yeah. look at it? Yeah. Let's let's yeah. pull this up because this is a really intriguing idea that you K-F-M-H. can... KFMH.org. KFMH. KFMH.org. Yeah. Keep Flower Mound healthy. So this is just about Flower Mound, Texas. But right. I love the idea that I can look at a list of my local restaurants. That's promising. Yeah. So. Site certificate. <laughs> yeah. Keep Flower Mound healthy. Um, let's pull that up, John. And what I love about this idea is that I can see local restaurants that have like cool menu items. So where do we go on here? So Route 66 is the link that would kind of start to show you some of that stuff. But, uh, and then right there is you click on that to see the database, but it's very limited again, just because I, um, downloaded the route. No, no, that's not it. Oh no. The calling all restaurants to help. So it's right there. So, Oh, here we go. Okay. You know, there are very limited number of restaurants, but we've kind of scoured the menus and tried to come up with the, the healthiest things that, meet certain criteria and the group of us that uh, contributed try to decide on like a two to two-thirds rule instead of a four to one um but uh yeah it's like i said very limited and i got a good group of people who are waiting me to waiting for me to to kind of take lead on that if you push the about us you'll see I've got a dietitian that's working with me. Um, Jesse James is the is, uh, Nancy Moses is the dietitian, and Jesse James probably heard of him. He's uh, pretty popular in Flower Mound. And I do need to give a little shout out to to uh, 
Naomi Sweet, who is my niece, who actually designed the logo and uh, also designed the, oh, the uh, Nutrition Star. Prior to that, it was this doctor-created wannabe graphic. Um, <laughs> that's her avatar, I guess. Yeah, yeah. and she d- did those for me. So Naomi she does Sweet, great, great. Work. Yeah. No, you've got a good, well-branded uh, website <laughs> and uh, the way yeah. the way it looks. So, and, th- and she made this logo, too, the she Keep did. Flyer Mound? Okay. She did. That's, yeah, it looks good. So. Well, I like that. Can you go back to that list, John? We're we're looking at the the Route sixty six. What is it? It's towards the bottom. Is that where it is? Or well, it's clicking on that database. Link there, okay. Yeah. It's a different page. Yeah. So even just as a start, as a beginner, just to see a beginning list, yep. just to see like, hey, here's a handful of restaurants that are franchises in my area. Here are some. And you said there's it's a two thirds versus four to one. So wh- how would, what's the difference there? So you know, it's basically. Uh, 66%, um, you know, being made of whole plants or fatty seafood, oh, essentially. Okay. And and it's hard to, you know, it's sometimes hard to find the information about each. And so we have to kind of estimate sometimes. But, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the goal was, and so I have this national, I don't know if you want to segue into that, but it's called uh, Project Simplify Health. And I think it's gopsh.org. If I've got my, and my nephew is actually the guy who's hosting that. So hopefully that's up and running. Jeffrey Angel. And what is this one? Arg, 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 You can arg. hit advanced and then proceed. Yeah. yeah. We so got a, yeah, so it's a site certificate. They just need to renew that. Yeah. So this is basically, and then the pictures aren't showing up, but... Essentially, it's uh, trying to go into um, the products on the shelves. And the hope was to have this be a national thing where the, you know, the makers of different products, we can have all of their stuff. But then each individual town or city would be an affiliate and that they would work on the, uh, you know, the specific uh, restaurants in their area and to develop a database so people go on the app and they say, oh, yeah. I'm hungry, but I want to go somewhere where it's somewhat healthy. And, oh, look, I can go to this website and bam, and then feed those people business so that it encourages people to improve the health of the their menu items. Well, I love this because so, you're kind of creating an ecosystem of like – You've got you got it all within your practice. You've got the nutritional instru- information from the coming from the doctor. You've got your nutritionist on staff. Um, the nutrition star just tells you about how to eat, what to eat, and then the web. Um, then the web keep Flower Mound healthy as a. I would call that a, even like a pilot because that can expand to tons of cities and stuff. And, yeah. and now you get a database of like restaurants that have great healthy items. Yeah. Um, and then now grocery store items. And then that takes us to uh, you making a restaurant, man. Let's hear about this. So part of of the reason I wanted to kind of take you through that journey is that you can see that I've tried various initiatives. And and what I feel very strongly is that all of those put together, including my, you know, goal of trying to get my practice model expanded and stuff, pale in comparison to the good that a restaurant franchise could do Mm. just because it simplifies it. Um, and so, yeah, the restaurant is called Holy Kaboli. Um, okay. And so if you go to, it's actually W-H-O-L-I-L-I-K-A-B-O-W-L-I. Holy, it's, it's all one word you could probably, but you can, so K-A-B. 
Yeah, K A B O W L I dot com. And so, um, Carrie Mitchell is the one who designed that. No, I'm sorry, Carrie Mitchell designed my my Slim TLC. It's another thing that you can look up too. But SlimTLC.com. There's my partner, uh, Sean. He's the restaurant guy because, of course, I'm not a restaurant guy. Yeah. And if you scroll down, there's my executive chef, Matt Becker, and Marie Barber. I know Marie. Yeah. Is my she's uh, the nutritionist, right? Yeah, my yeah. nutrition coach. Um, or coach, sorry. But she's also a chef, and she's kind of helping with the food truck part of things. We're hoping to do a brick and mortar, but um, just for funding and for proof of concept, we may end up having to do a food truck. But we're going to be launching a Kickstarter campaign here in the next couple of weeks to try to raise funds for oh the yeah food truck. That's great. But if I just happen to get enough money for the brick and mortar, we'll skip right over that and, and go into the restaurant. But yeah. What's the what's the concept? So the concept is, it's again, so it's not, it doesn't even have a whatever section except for add-ons. Okay. okay. So the whole base menu is 100% whole plant and fatty seafood with some minor exceptions of some very low calorie things like soy sauce or something that you can't call, you know, not, you can't call that non-processed, right? Right. Um, but, uh, the goal is that the more you eat there, the healthier you will become. And that it doesn't matter what you choose on the menu that you will get healthier. And then you can have add on proteins after the fact. So, and we'll probably even provide like light sour cream packets or something for those who desire. But there, otherwise, there's no no dairy and no sugar, no oil, no white flour. So oil is another major, major point. Um, again, this is not my original, but there's not a gram of oil. It, again, that's part of that plant waste. Yeah. No oil, no sugar, no flour. So oil has no water, has no fiber, and has essentially no significant micronutrients. Well, what if it comes from avocado or coconut? <laughs> I was just no. going to ask you about avocado oil. Oil is oil is oil. Oh, it's nine man. calories per gram. Um, I love and avocado it's, oil, man. And it's not yeah. not that you can't have it again, but it goes into the whatever section. Yeah. Because it's not a health food. Oil of any type is nature's most efficient way to store fuel. Hmm. And so good fats... Um, with the whole plant, so the whole avocado, the whole olive, um, that's what you want to get. And not just the oil that's extracting this fat-producing stuff and calorie-producing stuff. So anyway, so no oil, sugar, white flour. Again, what I call plant waste, it's right there in that second paragraph, or yeah. dairy. And those two things, I believe very strongly, um, and again, I could probably extra extract studies i haven't done my own but together those are by far the greatest sources of hidden calories and inflammation in our diets wow so you get rid of those and only health ensues and so um you know it's basically taking things that we all love and just making some chefs um and we sweeten things with whole plants whether it be um, medjool dates um or ripe bananas or something you know, I made a, um, I took a recipe that I stole and then tweaked it a little bit for banana nut bread and substituted whole, white whole wheat flour for white flour, um, applesauce for oil. Um, it still has an egg um, and it still has uh, some, I, I put some splendid brown sugar in there and, uh, but it's way above 80% 
whole plants and mm. it's just to die for again i can't keep my kids away i'm like I, I worked hard on this leave it alone it's mine yeah um but if i'm suddenly <laughs> helping my kids be healthy oh no right but um yeah if we can make it simple and so this is a an important little thing um so in 2010 um i went to a uh, a conference just a general family medicine review conference and there was a speaker um, who was supposedly world-renowned. I'd never heard of him. Um, and halfway through his keynote address, he was, he's, he was the keynote speaker. And halfway through his keynote address, he stopped and he said, you know, I'm not a fan of counseling patients. And I'm like, you know, kind of starting to seethe inside. He had this perfectly timed pause. And I'm like, my whole career, I've been trying to figure out how best to counsel patients. It's kind of like the, the main thing that I need to do to help them change. And he said, we, and he, after he paused, he said, we simply need to make it easier. And I went, oh, dang, that is so, so true. It is just simply harder than I'll get out to be healthy. And so um, I just kind of kept that in the back of my mind. And then somewhere around eight years ago, um, I walk into my, and, and we do have, my wife has a master's in accounting and she worked for Pricewaterhouse first few years of our marriage, but um, decided to stay home with the kids. We have six children. And so we have kind of that traditional uh, arrangement. Um, and, uh, but I walked in the door and immediately was hit with this aroma of something really, really tasty and my mouth starts watering. And I go into the kitchen and it seems like every dish that we have is out on the counter. And my kids are like army ants, you know, just kind of like doing something. And I quickly figured out that they were doing these rice bowls. Hmm. And she does really well. She tries to provide healthier options and then some less maybe just for um, variety. And, uh, and had some 20 some odd ingredients, um, anywhere from coconut flakes to olives to almond slivers to multiple t- types of vegetables and mandarin oranges, etc., and I just could, could not wait to eat. And we sat down and I got a bowl and I started putting this, you know, the brown rice in there and started adding stuff. And I was trying not to be like overly excited, like this is not typical for you. So, you know, but I'm, this is wonderful. Thank you. And I quickly figured out that that bowl was too small. So I just got up without saying anything. Kids were like, what the heck is he doing? And went and got a big bowl. and <laughs> just Salad bowl. Had, yeah. <laughs> had one of the most amazing culinary experiences of my life and it was healthy. Wow. And I sat there and this is the way my brain works. And, you know, so I, I say, Sandy, you know, you're the, you're the reason why I'm doing this. She's like, you do not blame this on me because she likes me to stay focused and important stuff and not get distracted by, you know, the squirrel, um, different things. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't not. I, I just said, okay, I'm going to go, we need to start a restaurant. So I immediately, and this is what I do, is I run to the internet and I say, okay, what domain name is taken? What trademark is taken? What can mean rice bowl? And I ended up coming up with rice basin. Hmm. And that was going to be the original idea for the restaurant. And just have people come in and you can just put, you know, build your own. And so um, I uh, quickly started to realize that you could also build salads with these things. And it would be nice to have a salad as an option for those who desire and then I went, oh, crud, now it's not just a rice bowl. So I came up with this kind of weird logo that had half salad basin and half rice basin. And and then the juices kept flowing. And I'm just like, okay, I keep thinking of other things I want to add to the menu. And then I thought, 
whole basin, the whole, oh, kind of a double meaning. It's like a lot of different things. And so yeah. I get excited and, you know, the kid comes out and I share it with my family one Friday night and my younger brother, Jonathan, who's kind of entrepreneurial too, um, he writes back and he says, whole basin, yawn. <laughs> Surely you can come up with something that's a little bit more exciting. And I'm like, yeah. you know, all deflated and kind of like, okay, back to the drawing board. So glad he made that comment though, right? Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. We need those people. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, he says, you know, why don't you go with something like, holy something, holy cannoli or holy guacamole. And I'm like, okay, trying to think of things that apply. Holy cannolis, that's not healthy, you know. Yeah, and we, so, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so so I kind of was sitting there and then I went, the last name of that speaker, Dr. Caboli, <laughs> now spelled K-A-B-O-L-I. And yeah. I went, wait, can, can you do that? And you can. But I'm always worried about, you know, intellectual property and stepping on people's toes and people coming back and saying, I need sure. half your company. Um, and, but I'm like, Kaboli, wow, that's got a great ring to it. And then my daughter Kylie was walking by and she says, look, put your W in there and there's your bowl. And I'm like, nice. You know, the clouds part, angels sing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that has a great ring to it. So that's how the name came about. And it literally is fulfilling what he is, he preached is we've got to make it simple. So you know, yeah. you're hungry and you don't know where to eat and you want to eat healthy and you, you know exactly where to go. Now, um, it's okay if, if Chili's comes along and says, hey, you know, can I make a holy Kaboli section? Sure. Yeah. Bring mm -hmm. it. Let's expand. Let's, you know, whatever makes it easier for people. And obviously I can't contain everything on my menu. Um, but if you go on to the, to the holy Kaboli page, um, you'll see that I have different sections of different things on the menu that I would... It's at the, yeah, so we'll have a, a shrimp and crab caboil, <laughs> um, gumbo salmon salad. That's the food truck, but that will also be, excuse me, in the restaurant. But then we have grain bowls, salads, soups, spuds again. And I want to have an offshoot of the spuds one day. I've got the domain name for something called Spud Toppers. And it'd be lovely if you had a line of six or seven different toppings that go well on a spud that has the right flavor, the right moisture, so that it's not yeah. dry. And you pull it off the shelf, you pop it in the microwave for a minute, and you dump it on a potato and just go to town, and it's 100% healthy. So that's kind of the, the concept. And um, I just need to get all my, get the money, got the people in place, got the knowledge um, with because of those people, and uh, just need to get the funding now. And hopefully um, we can build a something that's franchisable. Um, I'm going to share a couple of things that just kind of um, are probably important and really excite me. Sure, please so do. So when I first uh, had the idea, I hired a company that um, actually found an executive chef through um, a, a, an elderly couple that were patients of mine. Well, my sons, I talk about these things. I wasn't supposed to because I was in an employed position. Um, but, you know, it'd come up. Oh, I wish I had my restaurant going. You're like, what, what are you talking about? Well, here's my concept. And, oh, you're looking for an executive chef. Our son's an executive chef. And uh, it just so happens that he also was had a partner that they did restaurant consulting. And so I went ahead and bought their package and said, hey, help me design this restaurant. Um, and the... Uh, the chef didn't work out. Um, Matt Becker's like the fifth chef and won't go into why, but it just didn't work out. But um, Ray Camillo um, with a blue 
he's going to kill me. Um, Blue Orbit, orbiting.com, I think, uh, restaurant consulting. Um, we were about eight or ten months into this, and I get this email from him, um, and he says, hey, you know, I've never done this before, but I've never propositioned a client to go into business, but he said, I have never seen a restaurant concept that has more legs on it than yours does. Hmm. That's great. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, and so we hadn't even finished the business plan, and so I suggested, hey, you know, before we jump into being partners, don't you think we ought to, you know, consider this? Um, but he also, he, he said, he said uh, you know, because I'm going to be doing most, he said, why don't you just sit back and collect a paycheck and I'll do all the work for you? But since I'm doing all the work, I need 51% of the company. Ooh. And I'm like, watched too many episodes of, of uh, Shark Tank to know that you don't do that. Anyway, so we just didn't meet eye to eye. So he's, he, I, I credit him for the, the logo. So it was his company that made my uh, Holy Kaboli logo, helped me w- originally with my business plan and stuff. Just didn't work out, but um, um, I owe a lot to him. Um, so the chef, when we had our first meeting, so Sean, my business partner, um, and the chef and I met at a restaurant in Irving and said, all right, what do you got? What, what are you trying to do? In about half a half hour, I basically just kind of went through, here's my concept, here's what I'd like to do. And he'd say, well, can you use this? And yes, and well, not that. And oh, well, what would you use as, sub, as a substitute? And oh, but can you, oh, can you use salt? Oh, that's awesome. What about um, lemon juice, vinegar? Not, yeah, yeah, those are low calorie. You know, it's not 100% whole plants, but we're going to make, make uh, concessions for those. And about a half hour into it, it was just the funnest thing and just got filled with chills. He just stops and he goes, yeah, no, no, I, I, I think this is, this is doable. Yeah, no. And he, he says, wow, this is going to change everything. And I went, bam, he got it. Hmm. And so, you know, I, I know there's something here. I think I've got the right team. Just now need to get the funding yeah. and then have to execute it correctly. Um, and I have a sweet tooth. I have a drive to eat that's just as hearty as most people's. And so I'm not going to build a restaurant that isn't craveable. And so that's the goal is that, you know, I've been to many restaurants who, you know, that have incredible foods that say they're, sorry, um, but, but rarely one that has incredible foods that say they're healthy. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like an exception on the menu. Yeah. Um, and I want to just make sure that every single item is just like, wow, you know, oh man, I want to go back because I want to eat this. Yeah. That's the goal. So is it a holy grail? I don't know. Yeah. But uh, hopefully not. That's a great idea, man. It sounds awesome. And you can tell the difference when you go to a restaurant that has a quality menu item. You're like, some somebody's grandma just made this. Some yeah, Somebody put some, thought into, put some thought into it. Yeah. yeah. There's a place down the road here um, on Main Street that has, um, um, it's an Indian lady that runs it. That's, um, they mostly do catering. Okay. But you can order individual dishes. And she makes this... Um, this chicken soup in like a kind of a, I don't know, a liter, a quart, whatever that container container is. Yeah. yeah. And it's like $20 for this thing. And you're like, that's a lot of money for a chicken soup. soup." Yeah. Dude, you pour pour it in there and your bowl and you just, awesome. And you, it's gone, man. The whole quart of a homemade chicken soup is gone and like five five minutes gone, 20 bucks, but it's like well worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
having a dish that yeah just really satisfies makes you feel good yeah you're glad you spent the money because something like this is not going to be the cost of a fast food it's gonna there's going to be a premium but people i think people once they taste something that really is enjoyable and they know that how healthy it is um and you have this mission and this vision statement and they catch that they're like it's worth a few extra bucks for me to have this better colony culinary experience well and the hope is to keep the cost somewhat affordable sure um you know hopefully not averaging more than 15 to 16 bucks uh an entree Mm -hmm. and i recognize that uh there are going to be communities that aren't going to even be able to afford that and so eventually the people who need it the most which are the lower socioeconomic um folks we can pick certain menu items that are the cheapest to make and then keep the cost down for them. Yeah. You know, that's the goal, not to just cater to the people who can afford it. Cause, and there are a lot of things out there that you can read how healthy is not necessarily more expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go into a, a typical Chili's and you just say, hey, I'd like to have four plants off of your side menu, you're going to spend a lot less than a, a, you know, a meal with a steak or, or whatever. So, you know, beans and potatoes and, you know, vegetables in general are, cheap, in general are cheaper. We just have to kind of get that magic combination where yeah. we can present it to the public in a very healthy and hearty. It has to be hearty, right? Yeah. None of this, I'm done, but okay, now I got to go to Chili's or to, you know, Chick-fil-A to, to right. get a, something to top it off. It's got to fill you up. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the Chili's thing. It's like if I, I don't frequent the, the place, but if mm-hmm. I go... Um, I'll do the me- the best menu items I've found are the ones I've created, like mm-hmm. the, the custom ones. Yeah. So I'll tell them, give me a chicken breast with none of the the stuff. Don't extra, put a bunch yeah. of extra seasonings or sauces or something. Just give me a nice grilled chicken breast, and then I'll get a few side side veggies. Mm-hmm. So the steamed veggies, the broccoli, the I don't know whatever else they yeah. got. But yeah, yeah. I'll just do a few of those things and. Um, and so, uh, and then I order enough of a quantity, like two chicken breasts, two, two things, but even customizing it like that, I'm still spending equal to or less than like a full entree. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it works out better that way. Yeah. And I feel better walking out cause I, I, well, I gotta say, I mean, I, I gotta say like places like that, it's like they are over seasoning, mm-hmm. they're over saucing and it's, and there's a thing in Texas where they love to drown things in sauce. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. guys, have you ever been anywhere like where they make good food? They don't drown it in sauce. Yeah. You got to taste the actual vegetable. You got to taste the actual meat. If you drown it in sauce, I don't even know what I'm eating anymore. I just yeah. know I'm eating something that's burning my tongue. And not helping my health <laughs> yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, and at that point, I don't even care about the health. Yeah. I mean, I just care that it's just like burning my mouth <laughs> like from how much sodium is in there. And, uh, you know, that's not a fun time. So. Yeah. Texas, man, let's reduce the amount of ice we put in things. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> when we're merging on the highway, let's accelerate to the speed of the highway and let's not oversauce our foods. <laughs> those are my so those are my three complaints three about Texas. Peas. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm not from Texas, but Well, and you know, to say I, I got here as soon as I could, right? And right. And many many people say that sauces are what make the dish and but I'm you got to find that happy happy medium, happy balance. You do. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that you can make incredibly flavorful, hearty sauces with whole plants. Hmm. You know, and some people, um, Dr. McDougall, I think in his book, he talks about how, you know, people say, no, you got to have your meat because you need flavor and stuff. And he says, well, what do you 
flavor your meat with plants you know and so the different types of seasonings and herbs and spices and stuff or plants or minerals so or something to, that's what i wanted to ask you yeah. so like talk about that how do you season with plants and if i'm not using avocado oil which everyone says is the healthiest or something yeah. so if i'm not supposed to use oils like what how do i keep the thing from burning on the pan yeah so um it depends on who you ask um and you'll see this on my nutrition page that just come kind of coming up with alternatives and you know some people say saute in water and i'm like uh, no, mm. um, but what I have done, and I'm I'm okay, and this may freak some people out because they say, "Well, it's not natural." Is those nonstick sprays? I'm actually okay with that. Um, but uh, isn't that an oil? It's so it's an oil derivative, but it still has zero calories. You know, okay. so it's uh, it's not. I don't think it's unhealthy. No, I haven't done studies. Um, but if you you know you don't want to fill a, a pan with like mountains of that stuff but sure. just a light spray I, I use that to help not stick huh. um what are those made out of isn't that like canola oil or something so olive oil they, i mean they have different ones okay but um you know i use one that is made out, made out of olive oil but uh you know just try to try to come up with different ways to prepare grill bake roast um saute in this way or um you know different sous vide I didn't mm -hmm. even know what that was until that that initial chef said, "Yeah, you can sous vide," and I'm like, "What?" Seems like a lot of work. I've and, done I've done it, but it's and like, somebody who knows French, right? Yeah. Um, I took three years of French in high school, and I'm like, "It's not how you pronounce that. It's not sous vide, isn't it? Sous vide, like with the mm -hmm. d anyway." So yeah, the D. Yeah, you got to pronounce soft it. D, yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there are different ways to prepare without oil. We just kind of have to change the way we do things. Well, let so. me let me. Uh, ask you though because you, you're basically you are using oil you're just spraying the oil versus pouring it so you are you the oil is being used but because it has no calories or no you know significant calories okay then you're avoiding that aspect of things i got you it you know um there's a vegetable chili recipe from emeril that i tweaked and kind of turned it and you'll I'll call it the holy chili that i hope to be on the menu that's just incredible but it's so caloric because he had so much oil in it. And mm -hmm. it really didn't add to the flavor or the consistency of the dish. And so we just overuse oil. Yeah. Just, you know, and, and there are times, and I love macaroni grill, dipping your bread in the oil with the cracked oh, pepper. God. I mean. I love it. I love that. I love but, it. but again, it's, it's calories, you yeah. know. So you have a little of that, put it in the whatever section, and, and then try to eat. The rest of it is whole plants and fatty seafood. So that's the goal. Yeah. Well, I like it. Um, oh, did we cover the um, how you take the whole plants and make those into seasonings or, or uh, no, sauces? No, no. How do we? How does that work? No. So this is this is above my pay grade. This is oh, where okay. you'd have to ask Matt or or Marie. Um, right. That, uh, but just in general, you're you're going to be just herbs and spices and different things are are plants or made of plants. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the point that Dr. McDougall was making and, but I ain't no chef, so yeah. <laughs> I can't go into that into de well, in detail. Well, Matt, if you're listening, I'd love to have you on cause I'd yeah. love to know how you make a sauce out of just plants and well, if, how that works. Yeah. And, and I'm not a sauce guy. I don't so know cashews how works. are used a lot for dressings. Yeah. You know, they're, you just pure, puree them up and, um, and whole avocados, you mm. know, where you just, so you still have the fat from the avocado that yeah. you make the oil from. And it, so therefore it has a consistency that sticks and stuff. 
I've never pureed olives and used that to saute something in. I think that would be a little bit weird, but add a little odd flavor to it. But um, there are just ways to make things different. You can't duplicate everything. You can't duplicate directly butter, um, sure. bacon, you know. And I'm not a fan of, you know, a lot of vegan foods who f- make fake hot dogs and stuff like that. That's kind of turns my stomach. So anyway. Yeah, well, reading what's in it yeah. and eating it, they yeah. both... Yeah, have a negative outcome but, for me. But, so we have this cheese, and it's not even our original recipe. We bought it from somebody that uh, that's made of whole plants. That's a, It's a dipping nacho cheese sauce that Ooh. is 100% healthy. Ooh, and I just, Marie makes it. And yeah? Every time she does, I'm like, please make an extra large container, and you just inhale. It's really good. So you put on broccoli and chips and dips, and... We were, were originally going to do a Mexican food menu for our food truck and had all but perfected the chip. And in, in one little comment I'll make that makes it's kind of interesting and would love to do a, eventually have like a food network, you know, contest for cooking with these kind of things. But um, if we can come up with the perfect chip, which is made of corn, and if you don't, if you just bake it, and at the right texture, the right thickness, the right, you know, um, temperature, however long you have to cook it, and then season it, um, if that would literally change the the whole game of, of obesity in America. Because right now, if you look at the typical Doritos or something, there's close to a gram of oil per chip. Per chip? And if, Really? Yeah. And if I've done my math right... If you look at the obesity epidemic wow. increasing over the last 30 years, I believe on average the the average American consumes around 17 to 20 calories more than their caloric needs. So it's a very slow rise, average rise of a couple of pounds per year. Yeah. And that equals two to three chips. That's it. Wow. So if, if all we were to do is create the perfect chip that didn't have oil and that's all we did and that's what i want to do yeah and matt becker has told me how to do it and just takes a lot of money um (laughs) is that all but but he (laughs) one of his yeah one of his um he's a great find because one of his specialties is that's he actually is a consultant for getting food into stores so Hmm. that's one of his Specialties, so I'm anxious to do this part of things. Yeah, um, bag a chip and stick it there, so you can just pull it off the shelf. It doesn't break. You know, there are oilless chips out there, um, but they kind of crumble in the package and don't quite yeah. have the right texture. Don't break your tooth, or, or they may break your tooth, or they disintegrate. Um, just have to find that right one. But I'm really anxious to do that at some point. Yeah, and um, I've got the recipe. Just don't know how to mass produce. Right. So that's hard. Yeah. Scaling for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing when I think about, I don't mean to di- digress for away from like health and, um, and diet and everything, but just thinking about like setting up a system. I think about this sort of thing all the time. I don't, uh, my, uh, a big portion of my brain energy mm-hmm. is thinking about systems, about how the logistics are set up, about how things are organized or engineered, how a business is created. And having started a business in the last few, uh, two and a half years now, um, seeing what it is to build a thing out of vapor mm-hmm. <laughs> and making manifesting that into a physical, tangible thing, um, 
I, it's just it's just a, really interesting to me to watch how like to hear you talk about your process. Like we've got an amazing recipe, we've got an amazing thing, but how are we going to scale it to where it doesn't cost eighty dollars a bag? You know, yeah. Um, how do we make a restaurant that accomplishes all these health initiatives that you want to do for the public that's affordable? Mm-hmm. Which is cool that you're even considering that, because um, most would just put that in like. Um, you know, uptown or something and mm-hmm. charge $30 a bowl and they're happy to pay for that. But no, the general public can't typically yeah. afford that. Um, and then just to hear you talking about um, just the processes and stuff. So when I, when I, I think about systems about, it takes a certain am- amount of, uh, what were the four things you mentioned earlier? Cause I like the way you worded that the money, the people, money, people, expertise and time. Yeah. That's all it takes. Right. That's all yeah. it takes <laughs> right on the cusp. Yeah. Yeah. But you're you're running your practice. You've got these nonprofits. You're you, you're busy, man. You're a busy guy. Well, and unfortunately, because of the how much time the other things are taking, I'm not able to dedicate the time necessary to you know some of those nonprofits and stuff. But yeah, they're on the they're poised and ready to to go when I can find the right people and the time and stuff to to march forward. So yeah, and it may evolve. You know, I may decide okay, that's not the right way to do it. Let's have a different mission and and stuff. But we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah, you know something that's helped me. I've learned is um, having um, an assistant. Um, I don't have a full time assistant, but I have. Like I'll say, okay, this week I need you for 10 hours or mm-hmm. five hours or whatever. And, um, and I'll have, uh, I'll have her look up things, research it because I, I have, um, I don't want to digress into that, but I have like, I have a nonprofit that I've been working on myself. I have my business. I've got the podcast of, mm-hmm. I've got, uh, you know, other life Making things. some waves. Yeah. Yeah. No, awesome. <laughs> tiny Hoping little ripples. Yeah. yeah. Ripples. I understand. Butterfly effect, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, there's there's times where I'm like, okay, I've got a load going on this week, a, a mm-hmm. big workload, and but I just I need to see forward progress for my mm-hmm. own mental well being and to know that things are happening. So I'll be like, hey, can you research this? Here's a handful of things, and just go figure it out, yeah. and then come back to me, and I'll make the decision on which one's better or whatever. Yeah, um, that works for me, um, because then I I can have some kind of progress. Someone gets me all the information, and then I make a choice and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that'll help you or not. Well, and so Marie is actually that person for the oh, okay. most part. You know, I hired her originally as an executive assistant and found out that she was like, you know, had all kinds of... A badass, huh? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, she, she taught anatomy and physiology at the college level for 10 years, you know. So she's got all these oh, wow. credentials and skills and stuff. And so she's kind of, she is that person um, that I kind of said, hey, I got to get some help. Yeah. But I, I had a patient one time who does really well in the real estate world, and he said, yep, I just drew a T, and I wrote down the things that I do on a daily basis that I can shift to somebody else and pay them 15 bucks an hour, and it just magically made me you know, a ton more productive. Yeah. And I haven't gotten that you know, good or, or uh, articulate at trying to figure out what it is that I do that can be done by somebody else. But That's the challenge. They still yeah. cost some money too, you know, and finding that person who is just available and has that knowledge set, I'm sure is not terribly easy. Yeah. But I've always had a dream of, um, and I've got a list and we won't go into them, but I've got all these business ideas and I wanted one day to have enough money to be able to hire an MBA straight out of, you know, out of training and saying, here is this project, here is this, you know, money, amount of money, whatever you'd call that. And, uh, 
in two years, this will cover your salary and, you know, go write up a business plan, make this fly, come back if you need more money, whatever. And I'd love to do that because I'd love to see some of these things fly. But yeah, you just don't have enough time to do it all yourself yeah. or the expertise or whatever. Yeah. So, well, I think, it, I think the journey is part of it, you know, yeah. not necessarily Agreed. mastering a thing or, yeah. you know, reading, reaching some kind of finish line, but just doing something that you love that you're passionate about. Yeah. I see it. Um, I love that you're you're my doctor. I love mm. that. Uh, I love when I when I do need to go. I love you know walking into the practice and just feeling at ease about it. And um, so I'm glad you could come to on hear. tonight, man. This oh, my is, pleasure. This is great. So yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much. I think okay. um, if anyone's interested in learning more, uh, we've got TLCFamilyHealth.com. Mm. Uh, what else? Tell uh, what else can we look at? Yeah, so SlimTLC.com is the lifestyle and weight management program. Okay. Um, these are the active things. You know, we're getting ready to launch a lowpricelowtea.com, which also directs you to a page on my website. I'm getting ready to find a... Oh, cool. A, um, Testosterone lands- stuff? Yeah. So trying to get a landing okay. page that doesn't just show that. But yeah, if you go to lowpricelowtea.com, um, low price. Oh, uh, I think we got low, low. Yeah. Yeah, low <laughs> price. It's so low.com. And you'll see that. So we're getting ready to launch that here in a little bit. I've been talking Low to the guy who puts my signs up. That's still. That's yeah. Okay. So um, here we go. I want to put that sign on the front of my building, but I found out that that's apparently not allowed by Flower Mound. So we're trying to figure out if we're gonna okay. do something different. But so you're gonna be doing testosterone stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll be talking to you about that. Ah. Uh. Well, <laughs> there, it's a. You know, there's a an opportunity to help people feel better for a lower price than people are currently doing it right now. So that's cool. Um, so we got the family practice, the Slim TLC, TLC family, or the uh, the low T coming out soon. Yep. Is the um, the the Nutrition Star? Yeah. Dot org. Dot org. Nutritionstar dot org. Cool. To learn about that part and yeah, the Holy dot com kind of spelled a little differently. Yeah, so that's coming. Um, that's not out yet, but you're gonna. Where can where can people go for the fundraising? Is that an active thing? Yeah, so not yet. So Kickstarter, okay. um, literally, we're knocking on the door. So it'll be by the end of this month that I'll okay, launch cool. that, and I'll put it on my tlcfamilyhealth.com Facebook page. I'll put it on my holycabole.com, my slimtlc.com, or sorry, just leave the dot coms out. But those Facebook pages, um, yeah. and hopefully Instagram associated with them. So cool. Hoping that people. I've been talking about it now for eight years and yeah. had enough people express interest that I'm hoping that people will sh- uh, share it with everybody and, and hopefully raise That's enough to, to fund it. So. I love it. Yeah. I love, I love the holistic nature of what you're bringing to, to the people and it's good stuff. So thank I you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. See ya. Right. Bye everyone. Bye. <laughs>